Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. How do we start this bad puppy? Say it with me. How do we start this bad puppy? Big Sills. How you doing? Truth, justice, and Big Sills. Only place you get it. It's the only show that speaks the truth. It's the only show that delivers the truth. It's the only show that's pressured by everybody in Philly. Oh, yes. That's when you know you got them by the cunhas. That's why you got them by the cannolis. And you squeeze the cannoli. Big Sills has got them by the cannolis. Hey, Novacare, welcome in. Pull a chair up. Or one of those plush couches that you have there at the Novacare Center. And the coaches or the player lounge. Yes! What a fine facility. Unbelievable. So you spend your money on your facility, but not your defense. Solid take. The NFL PA. Grades for the organizations came out. You know who's voted the greatest owner in the league right now? The art collector in Miami, Stephen Ross, who's arguably the worst owner on the planet, who was rigging to lose games so he could get high draft choices to fire Brian Flores. That's the best owner in the league, according to the NFLPA survey. Absolutely. Oh, boy. And it is combine day. But more on this NFL PA survey. Let's take a look at this. The Eagles are a great franchise, according to the NFL PA survey. People feel vindicated off of a bullshit survey. You know why it's bullshit? Nick Sirianni, A. Bill Belichick, B minus. Really? <laughs> Let's go through this. What's the team that won the Super Bowl? The Kansas City Chiefs. Let's take a look at this. Treatment of families, D-plus Chiefs, C, for the Eagles. Food, you get a handsome meal 
at Novacare. A. You know what you get? C. Average food in KC. Nutrition. They don't give a shit about your nutrition in Kansas City. F. The Eagles get a B. Locker room. It's a shit locker room in Kansas City. F. B minus. In Philly. Training room. Horrible in Kansas City. B plus. In Philly. (laughs) Training staff. They don't give a shit about you. In Kansas City, F. A minus for the Eagles. Weight room, F. A minus for the Eagles. Wonderful, wonderful thigh master they have there at Novacat. Wonderful, wonderful. Yogging places for you to yog or jog. <laughs> Great tricep pull-down machines. What do we got here? Strength coach C plus, Kansas City. A minus in Philly. They've got Mr. Atlas himself. Training the guys. Then why is Jordan Davis a fat body? Hey, Nolan Smith and N'Kobe Dean can't stay healthy. But you have a fat body DT. And they don't have very good nutrition in a weight room in Kansas City. But you have fat bodies. Okay. <laughs> Head coach, A-plus, Sandy Reid. A, for Nick Sirianni, who they took all of his job titles away. He didn't even have a job title except for head jackass. <laughs> Owner, F, and can Clark Hunt and the Hunt family, who helped invent the AFL, is a horrible owner. And your owner, A, vindicated. It's funny, though. Kansas City's owner has three titles in four years. And you got one in 31. And what would you rather have? A guy spending money on a Fruit Loop machine or a Slurpee machine? Or would you rather have a guy spend money on a center or corner? What would you rather do? Have 32 million bucks in your pocket or a nice tricep machine? Holy shit. Who gives a shit about these ratings? Hey, we got a really great Slurpee machine at the Novacare. You don't have one. No, we just got the Lombardi trophy. You can have all the stupid-ass Slurpee machines you want. How you doing? Look at the things we have. And too bad your guy's a fat body. What a dumbass survey. (laughs) You can't be any stupider to go buy a survey and go, Hey, look at the Eagles. We got a great organization. And call the Chiefs the worst. 
They're the second worst franchise, according to this survey. If that's the case, why are the players playing for Super Bowls every year and winning if they hate the joint? Holy shit. Talk about dopey. Well, you have a horrible, you have a horrible bidet. I don't care, man. Do you win or do you not win? Do you pay your coaches and players? That's all I care about. Who gives a shit whether or not you work at a country club? I, I Hey, if I'm in my locker and I'm sitting at my locker, I'm not a very good player. Holy cow. So the owner of the Chiefs is F minus. And the owner of the Eagles is A. <laughs> Who would believe that? Who would believe that Jeffrey Lurie is a better owner than Clark Hunt, the owner of the Chiefs? Who in their right mind would believe that? Or that Stephen Ross is the best owner? Or, or Jerry Jones, because you have a great facility? <laughs> How about a great team? Who in the right mind would go by the dumbest thing you could possibly go by? Hey, man, we got a really nice house. Better house than you. How come we win Super Bowls? And, and you know what you do? Hey, 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 Xander. The Eagles, they win House and Garden's best home. <laughs> and the Chiefs win the best team award. Okay. Hey, did you see? Hey, did you see the Eagles facility? It was featured on Home and Gardens or Better Homes. <laughs> hey, yes, you know, we have a like nice walkthrough here. You know, uh, Home and Gardens, Better Homes. That's what you got in Philly. What a joke. Our facility better than your facility. See, we're better than the cheese at something. Making a hamburger? <laughs> okay, so you have a better you have a better hamburger maker than they do in KC. Wow. Fantastic. <laughs> oh man. Holy shit. Joe Theismann's gonna join us at 5:30. We're working on another guest here too, so hopefully we're able to run them down. We'll let you know here. I don't want to throw it out there right now. Hopefully we're able to get them on. Only seals can make taking care of your players a bad thing. No. I want to win games, not have a nice plush couch. Taking care of players? <laughs> you actually think the NFL takes care of players when players kill themselves because of CTE. Are you out of your mind? Don't ever say that the NFL owners in the league cares about players' health. Are you out of your mind? It's blasphemy to even say that, that they give a shit about the player's health. Where in your right mind would you buy shit like that? The NFLPA is the worst run union in all of American team sports. So don't give me some dumbass survey by some dumbass players to go in cahoots with the owners so they can lay in bed with those guys. Are you crazy? The NFLPA, and I'm a member, is a joke. It's a joke. 
Okay, the Chiefs are the worst run organization or the second worst run organization in the league. And yet their players delivered three Super Bowls in four years and have been to six conference title games in six straight years, but they're the worst. They must really hate it there. Hey, Xander, right? Wow, Kansas City must really hate playing for that guy because they've been to six conference title games in a row and won three of the last four Super Bowls. Shit, they must hate it there. Oh, my God. You guys are dumb to believe that shit. Again, you know, it's it's funny because if it's on the Internet or if it's spoken by someone or reported by someone, after a while it becomes gospel. Okay? I mean it. Yes, sir. Hey, they got a nice couch at the Novacare. Hey, congratulations. You won the best award for better homes for your Eagle facility. And they didn't get a very good grade by better homes in KC. They just got the Super Bowl title. (laughs) Okay. So wait a minute. Let's ask you this. Would you rather have a Slurpee or play with Patrick Mahomes? I'd rather have the Slurpee. (laughs) Would you? Would you? What would you rather have? A good facility or play with Mahomes? Can you answer that? No, no, no. Oh, no, ho, ho. Hey, what would you rather do? Play with Patrick Mahomes? Or would you rather have a good slurping machine in Philly? <laughs> Let's move on. Talk about dumb shit. Can't believe I started my... I, I, you know what? Let me look at that. What is that? I would, there's 13 minutes of my life I wish I got back talking about a Slurpee machine. <laughs> Honestly, in a survey that people feel good about themselves, about their ego organization, because they went off of a survey. It's the biggest bullshit survey of the, <laughs> the NFL PA every year. Give me a break. I will say this, though. There is some news coming out of the Combines. Of course, it'll never be from the librarian or Pinocchio. It will be by other coaches, though. What do you make of this one? I'll tell you what, the more removed that Vic Fangio is from Miami, the more it doesn't seem like they really like the guy down there at all, including the head coach. What's your spin on this one? So Mike McDaniel didn't think Vic Fangio fit the culture of the Miami Dolphins and what he was trying to build down there. And it was best and in the best interest for them to part ways. And Mike said he kind of knew that this was going to happen midway through the season. What'd you make of that? That he didn't think he fit the culture of what they were doing in Miami and knew that this was going to lead to this by the end of the year. What'd you make of that? Hold on for a second. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on for a second here. May have some news. This could be big.
So again, what do you make of that? What 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 do you make of the Miami? What do you make of the Miami um, head coach saying that Vic didn't fit the personality of what they were trying to do down in Miami? What do you make of that? Vic coaching like he had 20 years ago. That's a little bit of what I'm saying to you, too. You know, Jalen Ramsey came out a couple days ago and was saying that he really didn't know how to use Xavier Howard himself, and he thought his defense was a little outdated. What do you make of that? NFL coaches talk shit on their coach. NFL coaches talk shit on their coaches that leave all the time. Really? Like who? Did Nick Sirianni talk shit on Desai? Or did he talk shit on um, Brian Johnson? I must have missed that. I must have missed that. When did he talk shit on him? I, I, I never heard anybody say anything about Eric Bieniemy when Eric Bieniemy left Kansas City. When was this? When was this? Not very, how about this? Not really good reviews by the coach and the players in Miami. It just doesn't seem it was a fit from day one. I mean, so what is he going to bring to Philly? Outdated coaching? How many people feel comfortable? And by the way, I thought that Tom Thayer was right yesterday. So you basically hired a more experienced Sean Desai to do the same exact thing that you did last year. You're not going to pressure anyone. You're going to hope you get home. Tell me, you really think he's going to be an upgrade to what you did a year ago because he's more experienced. Now, do I think that? Yeah, I do. But to what level? How much do you think Vic Fangio is going to impact the defense this coming season. Again, nobody's going to know. Obviously, nobody's going to know right now. Okay? Nobody's going to know right now. So, again, it's just an opinion. How much do you think he's going to impact your defense? Okay, how much? I'm just, and again, nobody's going to have a wrong answer here. Nobody's going to have a wrong answer. What kind of impact? All depends on personnel, Sills. So it's going to depend on Howie, on how good Vic does. Okay? In my humble opinion, Fangio will be a dud. Um, the front office is making me look like a damn clown at this job site. Eagles had better play. 
it back like in 22, I'm assuming. Very little earnest is saying, I think he has very little impact too. I think it's going to be more organized than what it was a year ago. But let's not forget something. Sean Desai was 10-2 and when he was fired. Wasn't like he sucked. He, he Get this. Sean Desai sucked because he got killed by the 49ers and the Cowboys. He did beat Kansas City. He did beat the Rams. He did beat the Bucks. All those teams were playoff teams, and one was a Super Bowl champion. Okay? He did beat the Bills. Just curious. What, what was so bad about the job that he did in his first year being a, a coordinator? What did this side do that was so bad? He had bad talent on the team. You're trying to sit here and convince me that Sean Desai was a bad coordinator because why? Nick and the librarian told you? What would they know about coaching? What would they know? Nick Sirianni lost the locker room, not Sean Desai. He's the guy screaming and hollering after his babysitter was left. And he wasn't there any longer. Report by D. Gunn. Wasn't him that was screaming. Desai wasn't screaming and hollering. It was your clown show coach that was screaming and hollering at everybody, acting like a maniac, screaming at Chief fans. This guy's got quite a little array of screaming at opposing teams' fans. Cardinals, Chiefs, Colts. I mean, this guy's quite a cheerleader. Got to really like this guy. He does more cheerleading than coaching. Man lying. Yesterday, Mike McDaniel said that Vic Fangio didn't fit our culture. He said that at the Combines. Head coach of the Dolphins. Knew midway through the season that he wasn't a right fit for the culture he was trying to develop in Miami. (laughs) And you think he's going to have a huge impact on your team this year. Okay. We shall see. We shall see. And I'm with you, Roland. I like the head coach in Miami. I do. I like the head coach. Kyle Shanahan said Steve Wilkes was not a good culture fit. That is a corporate speak for we do not want him on the staff. Well, the one difference between Steve Wilkes and Vic Fangio, Steve Wilkes was in the Super Bowl. And if it wasn't for the new overtime rules, The 49ers would have won the Super Bowl. And he would have been a Super Bowl winning D.C. That's how close it got. And the Dolphin defense sucked outside of pass rushing. So before you say Steve Wilkes, Steve Wilkes, Kyle Shanahan, he needed a scapegoat because of the shit jobs that he does in those games. So he fired a guy who took a defense to the Super Bowl. 
Vic Fangio had a defense that was down in the 20s. You're comparing a guy who was in the Super Bowl to a guy who sucked. Just think about it. Once they kicked the foot, once they kicked the field goal in the overtime, the 49ers, first team to score wins. They would have won the Super Bowl. How you doing? How you doing? Steve Wilkes. I'll tell you what, man. I'd like to have, I'd like to have Steve Wilkes as my DB coach in Philadelphia. That's right. I know they kicked the field goal. If you go by old rules, field goal, first to score an OT wins. They changed the rule around. You get the ball back, the coin toss, and flips, and this and that. Whatever, senor. All good, guy. Whatever. First team to score. You see? What a dope. All right. Let's move on. So, so I went back and listened a little bit. I went back and listened a little bit more to that um, soiree they had between Nikki and um, the librarian. It's interesting takes. Interesting. Can I ask this? You know, you guys were talking and the media was kind of like ping-ponging it back and forth that Nick's like going to play the best player and the librarian wants to have the young players. Do you think Howie's telling Nick in so many ways, play the young guys? Play the young guys. You think he's telling them? You think he's telling him to play the young guys? Oh, we're going to play the best guys. We Because again, whatever Nick says doesn't matter. He has no job. Because he's no has nothing to say in the coordinating and who plays. He has no say in this team this year. He has no say. So whatever he's doing at the combines, I'm not getting it. He has no job. What? What? He has no job. Clubhouse cheerleader? Okay. Coffee runner? Donuts? Krellers? Okay, sure. Checking in on people? Okay. I really, there's no job title for him. He has no job title. None. So, is he telling him we're going to be playing the young guys this year? Like Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo, <laughs> and the rest of these dudes that you guys have these high grades on. I think that Sidney Brown's going to be the next Bob Sanders. Really? Well, well let's see told you yesterday you don't have a lot of young good players on that team you have a few not enough you don't have a, you don't have very many guys you have most of your guys are on defense or on offense excuse me you don't have a lot of guy on the defensive side of the football here's two here, here's the amount of guys you have on that defense that i think is a core group of guys ready jalen carter Josh Sweat, and Milton Williams. The rest of them, 
You can have every one of them. Not building your team around anybody else. You got three out of 11. You got eight guys that you could get rid of or change out at any time on your defense. And you're going to go into the draft. Hey, by the way, I have to give Howie a lot of credit for listening to the program. I want to thank the people over there for um, having the ability to have Howie watch the show every day because he admitted something yesterday that I was pretty floored at. He says he needs to do a better job in the draft at corner. Oh, really? <laughs> Where'd he get that from? He can't draft corners. Gee, after 24 years, what an epiphany. <laughs> hey, am I right when I say that? What an epiphany after 24 years. I got to do better at corner. Wow. <laughs> that's that's like NASCAR going, hey, maybe we should take the Confederate flag down after 70 years of racing. Gee, really? It only took you 70 years to know that that was stupid? Sometimes the most obvious is the hardest thing to get rid of. Hey, you know, I need to do a better job at drafting at corner. Oh, okay. Yeah, that might help. I might That might help. So they're going to play the younger guys. What younger guys? What younger N'Kobe Dean is going to start? on the Eagles opening day in Brazil. N'Kobe Dean is your starting Mike backer. <laughs> Five wins. I'm going to say this to you. If Nick Sirianni is not your head football coach, you win 10 plus games. Nick Sirianni is your coach. You win five games. As long as that guy's in the building, you have no shot at success. None. He's not a winner. He's not. He's a tomato can. Spider Rico of coaches. <laughs> there you go, Xander. There's a new name for the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Spider Rico. <laughs> Spider Rico is your head coach. Wow. <laughs> Who'd you fight, Rock? Spider Rico. He's a bum. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> Spider Rico of coaches. So they're going to play all their young guys. Let's take a look at that. So Keely Ringo's going to start. Kobe Dean's going to start. What other young guy you're going to put out there? Let's see here. I don't even know if you have any. Do you have any other young guys? You have nobody at live. Oh, Dean. Any other young linebackers? Can't think of any. Um, Blankenship. So Blankenship, Keely, Ringo are going to be in your secondary along with James Bradbury. Holy shit. Dude, you have you're you are not making the playoffs if you play your younger players. You don't have enough young talent that's good enough. Who do you think you are? The Chiefs? The Packers? The Lions? You're not that good. 
you're not that good. Noah Ellis. <laughs> Who? Here's a prediction. The Eagles in the top 10 next draft take a quarterback and trade Jalen. No way. They love this guy. I like his style of leadership. He doesn't say anything. Hides in a corner, and the team hides him from everyone else. That's our guy, Jeff Kerr. (laughs) Okay? Kelly Green, there is no offseason in the NFL anymore. Who said there's an offseason? The things you do now to build your football team will have a direct impact on what team you put on the field starting in September. There's no offseason any longer. Free agency, the draft, your OTAs, getting players healthy, getting players in throwing routines if they had any kind of arm issues. The NFL, it's a 24-7, 12-month-a-year job now. Back in the day, yeah, you could fart around for four months. Not like that. We'll ask Joe Theismann that a little bit later on in the program. Joe Theismann's going to join us today. Okay? Holy cow. Long as your boy, Spider Rico, the head coach of the Eagles, is the head coach, you will not win again. I'm actually starting to think this guy's worse than Chip Kelly. At least Chip Kelly called plays. Think about that. Chip Kelly had more. Am I right, Xander? Hey, Flexen, am I right? Chip Kelly had more responsibilities in game day situations calling plays than what Nick did. Am I right when I say that? Whereas he didn't call plays. Right? D- did Chip have more say in his football team than, than Nick did or does? Nick Kotai. Nick Kotai. Okay. Callie Green goes, tell me more how you hate Nick. I don't hate Nick. I think he's a buffoon. How can you hate buffoons? You feel sorry for buffoons. Hey, when you're an imbecile, you feel sorry for him. You don't, and then nothing else. And I mean that football wise. I don't know him personally, nor do I give a shit. Football-wise, he's an imbecile. I don't know him personally as a human. Not attacking him. He looks like a great dad. Give him that. But as a football guy, screaming at fans, jumping on bleachers, screaming at players, lying to the media every way he does, the guy's a buffoon. Seals, you got these fanboys on (laughs) shish kebab. Hey, hey, Rudy Pooh. I got a call yesterday from somebody. You know what they said? I got the Nader's Restless. I got the Nader's Restless. No one's ever heard anybody talk about the Eagles the way I do and how direct I am. Let me tell you the here, you know what? So we know that this is not just a shit on session here. Let me tell you what you do have good coming back. Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson, Jordan Mulata. Hopefully, Kelsey. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Carter. Okay? Josh Sweat. Those are good players. Will they get the support they need? 
Okay? Those are good football players. Those are good players, man. I think that the Eagles should have hired Eric Bieniemy instead of hiring a doorman. <laughs> it's got to be something with Bieniemy. You know what's funny? Griffin, he probably doesn't interview well. That's a guy I want to hire. I don't want to hire a guy that's going to tell me what I want to hear. I want to hire a guy that tells me something I don't know. That's the difference in Philly. They hire people that they want to hear what they want to hear that fits their narrative. You should be hiring people that tell you things you don't know. Tell me something I don't know. Not something that's going to be a good in an interview. Being a head coach, this is not being a doctor where you have to have open heart surgery and there's a procedure and how you get it done. I want to know something that I don't know. What are we doing wrong with our offense? We're going to get to Kellen Moore here in a minute. Okay? What, what, what are we doing wrong here with Jalen? So let's do this. Let's move on to this next topic here. Let's move on to Kellen Moore. You guys like this hire, right? You guys like this hire. Okay. Yelling at players an issue? Dave, yelling at players is an issue? What are you talking about? Yelling at players? You think Nick... Yelling at players on the sidelines? What's he yelling at him about? Play harder? Weren't they playing hard? I thought he I thought he didn't lose the locker room. Why aren't the players playing hard? Ooh, Spider Rico strikes again. You guys like to hire Kellen Moore, right? You guys like it, right? Okay. What is his number one objective as a new offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, Kellen Moore? Is it to change the offense? Or is it to accelerate it? What's the number one job? To get players open? Is it to change? Is he there to change the offense? Because if he's not changing the offense, you're not going anywhere. Hertz is not good enough as a pocket passer to win a Super Bowl. Accelerate it? He's been brought in to accelerate the things they did in 23. Hertz is not good at those things. He's okay at them. You have all pro talent everywhere on that offense. And you guys still went one and seven down the stretch with all those numbers, and it didn't mean anything. Goddard or Ferguson in Dallas? I'll take Ferguson. You know why? At least I can count on him for 15 ball games. Goddard, give me 10. 
You truly think that Kellen Moore, who's brought in to accelerate the tour, see, they're not doing anything different. Guys, this hiring the new coordinators is a rouge. They're not going to do anything different. They hired a more experienced Desai, and they're going to hire Kellen Moore to accelerate what they did in 23. The Jalen Hurts of 2022 is a gone dude. You'll never see that guy again, which means you'll never see this guy live up to his potential. The further you get away from 22, the further away you get from that guy's ability to win games. Kellen Moore will utilize the tight end more? What tight end? You mean the guy that plays or misses 25% of his career every year for you? You're going to build a game plan around a guy who most of the time in stretch runs has some sort of weird injury? He's injury prone. Every year of his career, he's injury prone, Dallas Goddard. I'm just about done with that guy. You know why I'm done with Dallas Goddard? You can't count on him. I don't care how good a talent you are. If you're constantly in the tub or you're missing stretch run games, again, he was in the heart of the season where they needed to have him so that they could secure home field advantage. Another year of no show. Come on, man. You keep, you keep giving me the word potential, talent, all that shit. About reliability, durability, availability. How about those? Do those matter or no? This guy's really a great player. That's 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 a conversation piece. When you when you're talking about it's the guy. Everybody's in the every, anybody in the NFL that starts in the NFL. Hey, welcome to the league. You're good, really. Well, no shit. No shit. John says that Jalen has to spread the ball, has not spread the ball in one game in three years. That'll be the, we'll see. He can't read defenses. Jalen Hurts, is, he can't read defenses. That's why they tell him where to throw the ball. Dude, you guys are on, you guys have crowned this guy as some sort of superstar quarterback because of the paycheck, like the Eagles have, and one year. My book, He's a one-year guy until he proves otherwise. Dude, there are so many guys in the NFL. Nick Foles had one year. Hey, let me ask you something. Let's do this. Maybe anybody could jump in on this one. Who had a better one year, Foles or Hurts, when Foles had the 26 touchdowns and the two picks? Who had a better year that year as a quarterback? Who had a better year? Just a question. I don't really know because I don't remember. I don't. I didn't really study Nick, but twenty six touchdowns and two picks—that's a pretty solid season. Who had a better year? The pro, the uh, the Pro Bowl year for Foles, or Hertz's year that he had in twenty two? Who would you take? Wh- whose year would you take as one of the better years in Eagle history for quarterbacking? Okay, who had a better year? Was 22 better than Foles' year? Let me see something here. I'd like to know because I, I don't, I, you know, I didn't, I never looked at that year for Nick Foles. And, and by the way, you know, you guys would keep, to, I mean, Foles had one great year. What happened to him? 
Nick Foles stats, the 2022 season was better than what Nick Foles' season was? Okay, well, let's take a look at that. And in the year he went for 26 touchdowns. Um, the year he had 26 TDs, or excuse me, 27 touchdowns and two picks. Holy shit. Was eight and two. 28-91, 27 touchdowns, two picks, 119 QB rating. I would probably say Jalen had a better year. Probably Jalen because of the, the amount of running that he had. I would I would probably say Hurts because I thought the num- passing numbers, but then again, he only played in 10 games that year. Holy shit, Nick Foles in 10 games through for 27 touchdowns? I'll take Foles' year. He did that in 10 games? This guy averaged 281 yards? This guy averaged 290 yards passing in 10 ball games? And threw for three touchdowns a game? I'll take Nick. He did that in 10 games. Is that right? Holy shit. Have you ever seen a quarterback throw for 30 touchdowns almost in 10 ball games? Wow. Wow. That is a ton. So the impact that I'm looking for for Kellen Moore, he's not changing the offense. Okay, he's not. He's going to accelerate it. And what does that mean exactly? Accelerating the offense. Hurts, a baller. He's the best in the NFC. Every quarterback sucks according to sales except Patrick Mahomes. Hurts is the best quarterback with 18 turnovers in the NFC? Well, wait a minute. And I'll take Xander, what Xander said to me yesterday. Well, Sills, the guy was great in 22. Well, the guy who had the least amount of passing attempts in the NFC this year was Brock Purdy. And he threw for the third most passing yards in the league with the least amount of passing attempts. Had a Pro Bowl season and put his team in the Super Bowl. You're telling me you think Jalen, he had a he had by far a better year than Jalen Hurts did in 22. And he's 18 and four in his starts. He's a one-year wonder. Everyone's like this. Brock Purdy sucks. Well, what gives you the latitude? What has Jalen Hurts done more than Brock Purdy? What? You can't use that Super Bowl bullshit anymore. What do you what does Hertz have on him? That he's better than Purdy. He's got two great receivers. Jalen's got two 1,000 yard receivers. He's got a tight end. You guys got your love affair without Goddard. He's got McCaffrey. Well, you got a thousand yard Pro Bowl back. Your old line's better in Philly. What in the world gives you the comment to say 
that Hurts is better than Purdy when he hasn't done anything more than Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts. Where does that come from? Your love for the team? Okay. If that's where you're coming from, that's the only thing you have. And they beat the shit out of you in your own park. He did. Well, we won in the NFC title game. Not like he was anything in that game. And Purdy didn't play. He first head-to-head crushed him. Purdy's just cheaper? Look, I'm not – here, look, I want to make sure. I'm, I'm not saying Jalen's not a good player. But when you say that he's the best player at quarterback in the NFC, that's not true. He's not. He's had one season that has defined him. Patrick Mahomes has multiple seasons that has defined him. And I would say this about Brock Purdy. His first two years starting have defined him as a guy who's a pretty good ball player. These are just facts. Stafford's the best quarterback in the NFC. I wouldn't go there either. I would say that Stafford throws the prettiest football in the NFC. Matt has times where he floats in the pocket and he holds on to the ball too long. And if he doesn't have proper personnel in the O-line, he struggles again with blitzes. Okay? I do. That must be Howie Roseman that made the comment. (laughs) Funny how all Sills comparisons. Look at this guy right here. He just gives me content every moment. Look at Callie Green. Xander, put that up. It's important, please. Funny how all Sills comparisons are to Kansas City. Who else would you want to be compared to? The Cowboys? Aren't you striving to be the best? Or do you want to compare yourself to the Jets? Thank you, Kelly. See what that guy just did? Shows you what he's looking at. Why are you comparing everything to Kansas City? Well, because they're the gold standard. They're the gold standard. I like comparing myself to the best, not the 28th best or a 500 postseason record or a lounge chair or a slurpy machine. (laughs) Why are you comparing everything to Kansas City? Why wouldn't you? Why in the world wouldn't you compare yourself to Kansas City? There you go, man. People loving mediocrity. It's fantastic. Hey, man, we've been to the playoffs 18 years, and we've got the most successful team in National Football League, and we got a great parking lot. Hey, by the way, you see the swimming pool and the tennis courts we have over here at NovaCare? And, man, I'll tell you what, we make a great cheese omelet. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, great. See how it takes care of the players? <laughs> As a matter of fact, taking care of the players, I want my guys a little hungry. I don't want them to have all the comforts of life. <laughs> Maybe a little ass kicking and a little less meals. Might help Jordan Davis out a bit. Tell Fat Body to get out of the lounge chair and maybe out of the cafe. Wait, where's your cafe ranked? Hold on, man. Tell me, man. Hang on. Look at this, man. They have A for food. No wonder Jordan Davis is a fat ass. This guy's in there eating hoagies. Hey, look at this. Get this. Kansas City makes their guys hungrier, Xander. C minus. You don't get a good meal there. Got to be a little hungry. <laughs> ben Philly, man, you get a great cheesesteak and you get a great side item of mac and cheese and you get a great Slurpee. And I'll tell you what, they have root beer too for you. <laughs> and if you want, we'll give it to you in a sippy cup. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. What was the coach rank? He was ranked an A. What a great A performance. And then he had to go see the principal at the end of the year. Bend over Jeffrey Lurie's knee to get paddled and determine whether or not he was going to play by the game and by the rules. And when he said yes, he kept his job. Congratulations. Who gets paddled at the end of a year when you win 11 games and your job's on the line and you get paddled by the boss on whether or not you'll keep your job? Honestly, who get who? Who, who is, how does that work if he's such an A coach? The Eagles thought of firing him. He's an A coach. Do you fire A coaches? Or do I, wait, do you have, do, do you have conversations about replacing him? If he's an A coach. <laughs> oh my God. He's the best coach in the NFC. Really? Over who? He's a better coach than McCarthy. No, he's not. What's he done? Went to a Super Bowl. What? So did George Seifert. So did Jim Fossil. What are you talking about? I could name you bum coaches across the line that have been to Super Bowls. <laughs> who was the coach of the Patriots back in the day? And I'm not talking Parcells. Like when Tony Eason was there, was that Ron? Was that Ray Myers or Ron Myers? It was Ron Myers, the SMU guy. I think he took a team to the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Rod Rust, he was a terrible coach. Terrible coach. Ugh. Oh, hey, well, hey, Griffin, 90% of Jordan's body fat is from Wawa. Dude, they don't make a very good pizza, my boys tell me. They've tried all they can. But, man, don't ever go into a Wawa, my boys say, for a pizza pie. I hear they're terrible and it's atrocious. That's sad to hear that, man. Okay, I hear they got a new one now, so I don't know. So my boy hasn't tasted the new one yet. So maybe the new one. I know they experienced it a couple, a couple years ago by trying to get the, um, by trying to get the pizza in there. But from what I understand, they got a new one or making another attempt. I don't know. 
Wawa pizza, not that's not working for me. <laughs> hey, that's hey, Drew, good call, man. How do you make a bad pie? I don't know. Right? I, I, I don't know. Kellen, look, these two coordinators have quite the job ahead of them. You know why? They're going to have so many people in their ears telling them what to do and what direction to go. I don't believe these guys are going to be given autonomy. It's not from the coach. It's more that the direction of the management and how he is telling you guys are not reading this guy enough. They have brought these coordinators in to do the same exact thing they did a year ago. Nothing's changing. Okay. Forrest, I'm going Pats. Geno's in the 90s and 80s, late 80s. I'll do Pats today. When I was younger, Geno's. Today, Pats. I'll do Pats. Seals, here's what I text right after Purdy's incredible no quit attitude. See what Xander says about that. Jim's and Steve's. See, you know, one of the things I got ripped on when I was in Philly last time, Xander didn't drop me by um, to get a cheesesteak. That's not going to not happen the next time I roll in. That was my fault because I didn't ask him. He would have. But I, the next time we're rolling in, he's going to take me to, um, we're going to go to this one. Jim's and Steve's. We're going to go there. I'm not not going to that city and getting the cheesesteak again. That's not going to not happen. Okay. So come to South Philly, Sills. That's where all the paisans are. Good. Absolutely. Don't forget Joe Theismann. I'm still working on somebody else. I haven't heard back yet. So we'll see if we're able to hook up with this one guy. I'm not going to say a name because I've been jinxing myself and put the maloika on myself. Uh, the last couple days. So we'll see if we're still able to land this one guy here. Um, look, I'm going to make it clear here. Today, on February 29th, to say that these coordinators are not going to have an impact on the team, it's just an opinion. It's just an opinion. I'm just figuring out and thinking, because look, Kellen Moore has been brought in. From what I'm understanding, he's not changing anything. They're not going to change anything from 23. They're going to modify it. Okay? Are they going to go under center more? Probably, because they're going to put an element of the surprise back into the attack. See, when you put Hurts in shotgun, that's why you were blitzed the most or third most in the league. That's what they're going to do. So they're going to probably change in formation-wise, but not much is going to change. And nothing's going to change on defense. How'd you guys think about the scheme you had last year on defense? Okay, what'd you guys think of the scheme you had on defense? Because be prepared. It's going to be the same stuff. If Reddick's back, he's being dropped in coverage. No, no. It's not, it's not Nostradamus. Sean Desai is a product of Vic Fangio. Tom Thayer told you when he was the D.C. in Chicago for those years, Vic Fangio, this is what he does. 
He's the same. He's going to do the same thing. He's not changing anything. He's not changing anything. There's no changing. So when you say, well, they've been brought in to do certain things, and they're more, look, Vic Fangio's more experienced. I give you that. Okay? Do you think Sean Desai was a hard ass? Look, man, I don't think you have to be a hard ass to be a great coach. I think you have to be truthful and put players in positions to win. You don't have to scream at a player. I'll tell you what, I'll give you one, I'll give you one story that I saw with Michael Jordan. So back in the day when I was doing sports radio at KMBR in San Francisco, I went to a Warriors game. And the Chicago Bulls were playing the Warriors. I think Latrell Sprewell's on the team, and PJ Colissimo was the head coach of the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors. And I'm sitting courtside there. And I think Michael Jordan just absolutely hated P.J. Carlissimo. And you know what he was doing? He was screaming at his players and screaming. You know what Jordan was doing? Jordan was screaming at P.J. going, what are you hollering at? Who are you hollering at? Jordan's dropping 45 on him. What are you screaming at? What are you hollering at? Sit your ass down. Jordan's screaming at P.J. Carlissimo because he thought he was a joke. Because he was friends with Latrell. That whole thing with choking the coach. Jordan took Latrell's side because he, Jordan goes, I would never have taken that shit from that guy screaming at me for tying my shoes. Fuck out of here. I mean, you don't have to scream at players to make a point. You put them in a right point to be successful. That's all you need to have. Screaming at people. Dude, those things are way in the past. Grab it at player's face mask. You're either a good coach or you're not. You don't have to beat it into players. That approach is dopey. Hey, do you have a good scheme or do you not? You think Mike McDaniel screams at his players? I like that guy. He's eccentric and weird. This guy has a Hello Kitty backpack, and he comes to work on a scooter or has one of them those cars that are run by a battery. I mean, this guy has a Hello Kitty backpack that he goes to work with um, with the Dolphins. And I'm like, this guy's a weird dude, but I like what he does down there. I do. I like him, man. I do. All right. Combines. We're going to hit on that in the area of the teams. And my predictions for every draft pick, not names, because it won't matter. My predictions. Um, on what you take in those respected picks. A lot of news going around, too. Joe Theismann will join us at 5.30. Hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show. Go for the ooze 
and the Oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Sales, please hit the like button. Efforting a special guest and also at 5.30, Joe Theismann, former NFL MVP, will join us and we'll get his perspective on what's going on with the, the Washington Commanders and Josh Harris and his new owner. Hey, you want to hear something about Harris? Tell you the kind of owner he is? Where it is now, he has been at every single interview, all six of the players that they're looking at as prospects to potentially draft. What's he doing in there? What is Josh Harris doing in an interview for the players? What possible perspective can he bring? What? what, I mean, you barely bring perspective on a hoop organization you're not a very good owner as an nba guy what possible (laughs) where is it because it's your toy okay i guess you have a right to play with your toy hey how you doing (laughs) right and you guys like this guy he's your boy He's the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, one of the great brands in NBA history. And this guy's now sitting in six interviews with prospective NFL prospects. 
what, what, what could he possibly do? What could he offer those players? What question would he ask them? What makes you great? So if you like them, you draft them. Hey, Josh, whoever you like, I hate. Whoever I like, I hope you hate. Because then I know I'm drafting something here. That'd be like Jeffrey Lurie being in the draft room. Oh, wait, he is. What possible impact could he have at being an owner in the draft room on draft day? What possible perspective? He's an A owner. Oh, I know. Xander Wright. It's the NFL PA survey. Yeah. Clark Hunt gets an F minus. Jeffrey Lurie gets an A. Hey, <laughs> I know. Hey, man, who's grading that? Oh, the players. The players are grading that. I don't believe that. Where would you rather play, Kansas City or Philly? Right now, bad sandwiches versus versus great sandwiches. Super Bowls versus a 500 postseason record. But hey, we get there. <laughs> That's the mentality. That's the mentality you got in Philly now by some people. They'll see in the media. Hey, I'm glad to get there. That's the worst organization in football, the Chiefs, according to the NFL PA survey. You buy stock into that survey now when you hear that? Go, Knicks. Hey, Josh Dolan. Uh, okay. Dolan's the worst. He No, no, man. He throws people out of the... Madison Square Garden, if it says uh, sell the team, he, he's tail. It's James Dolan. James Dolan stinks. He's the worst owner. Look how many playoff appearances they've had since he's owned a team. I think two. James Dolan sucks. Okay. As he's the worst owner in professional sports. Okay. There's no getting around it. Howie all day. You can't compare Kansas City to anyone. Everyone getting beat up by them. Dude. Yeah, who are you comparing? Then who are you comparing, A-Track? Hey, who are you comparing your team to? The Giants? <laughs> you want to compare, hey, you want to compare the Eagles to who? Titans? <laughs> oh my God. Some of you guys in here. Hey, I, well, I don't want to compare myself to the great to the greatest team in the league. I want to compare myself to the Jets. To the Jets. Jody would like that. <laughs> hey, let me compare my team to um, Carolina. <laughs> what a bunch of stupid asses. You can't compare everything to the Chiefs. Why not? We compared everything to the, to the Patriots, to the Cowboys. You try to resemble. The league is a league that copies what other teams do. You want to you want to compare yourself to the Jets or to the Cardinals? <laughs> There's the difference between you and me. I want to compare myself to the best, not to kind of good or bad, whatever. There you go, kid. Keep it up, A Track. One day you'll get your head above that 500 record that you have in the postseason for your team. Hey, we've been there 18 years. What's your record? 17 and 17. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. I'm kind of good, I guess. Sure. Zach, Zach Wilson beat Hurts. <laughs> so did Tyrod Taylor. And so did uh, Tommy DeVito. So did Drew Locke. Damn. How could you beat Patrick Mahomes and then lose to Tommy DeVito? <laughs> I mean, shit. You know, it's funny. The Eagles can beat anybody and lose to anybody. It's weird. Lost to Kyler Murray. Hey, there's another $46 million quarterback. Totally waxed him, too. Sills, what guests haven't been banned by the Eagle organization? I don't know anything about that. No comment. You know what I'm doing? I'm punching up. See, Xander? <laughs> See? I'm punching up. I have to apologize here. I have to make an apology. I've been told to make an apology. This is really going to take a lot. But I've been told to make an apology. Okay, let me let me let me build myself up here. We'll we'll get to the draft here in a second. I have to apologize. And I have to apologize to Terrell Owens because comparing AJ Owens to Terrell Owens is blasphemy. Owens is actually a superstar player. AJ is a very good player. So I'm not going to compare AJ any longer to Terrell Owens, who could be the second or third greatest wide receiver in the history of the league. Okay? You know what I mean? It's kind of blasphemous. It is. It's blasphemous, MG, to compare a superstar like Terrell Owens to, you know, AJ. <laughs> AJ drama. I gotta come up with a new one now because I can't I can't call him AJ Owens. Because it is, it's blasphemous. Okay, because Owens is actually a phenomenal and great Hall of Fame player. He is a good player, like now, right? Today, he's good. He's not really in Owens' league. AJ Cinco. <laughs> I like it. I gotta cut hey, help me out here. I gotta come up with a new one because I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't put blasphemy on uh Terrell Owens any longer. 
T.O. Brown fits perfectly. It does. I like it, but I feel I'm insulting uh, T.O. because Owens is great. He's really good, but he's not Terrell. Hey, he's no Terrell Owens. Let's be candid here. That guy's not. That guy's not Terrell Owens. A.J. Cinco. <laughs> oh, A.J. Cinco. I like it. I'm starting. It's it's wearing on me. I'm kind of liking it. AJ Cinco. Yeah, there's there's a part of me that like it, likes it. Yeah. AJ Cinco. Okay. Before I get into the Eagle draft, how much do you pay Tua? Dolphins. Mike McDaniel saying that they're working on a contract and it's going well. How much would you pay him? With the concussion issues, they should have the contract done by the draft, they say, the Dolphins. Um, what would you pay him? You pay him $50 million? Do you pay that guy $50 million? Oh, my God, I like that. Hey, hey, A, A, B Brown, <laughs> A.J. Brown. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. Yeah. Antonio Brown. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Antonio Brown the second. <laughs> hey, 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 Xander, how's that? Antonio Brown the second. You know, it's it's like Jeremiah Trotter Jr. A A AJ Brown the second. A.B., okay? A.B. Brown. <laughs> I'll take A.B. Brown. There we go. A.B. Brown. Now, don't don't insult Andre Risen. Are you crazy? Andre Risen's great. Can't insult Andre Risen. My boy, man. A.B. the second. <laughs> A.B. Brown. That's my new, that's, that's it right here. Because I can't insult Owens like that. I can't insult him, man. I'm not going to do it. Just not going to do it. What did he say? Seals is so jealous. He called WIP. Why? More people watch my clip than they listen to the interview. Why would I be jealous? We beat that thing. Why would I be jealous of that? More people watched my clip of two minutes than listened to that bullshit uh, victory parade or whatever it was, psychiatry uh, session. That's why some people are mad. More people listen to me than listen to that thing. Can't be. He's on a little old YouTube network. How could anybody have over half a million views? How is that possible? <laughs> How's that possible? Dude, seriously. I could be sitting in a basement with a teacup in my hand and people will hear me or react to me. I've learned that now. My wife said it the other day. You know, because I, 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 Xander, I went and started crying about, hey, man, calling my friends now. And my, she goes, what? You're shocked? Why are you surprised? You knew this was going to happen. I said, I didn't think it would. 
She said, you're stupid then. She goes, you knew this. I shared that message yesterday with my wife. She's like, are you shocked? This has gone on with you your entire career that people have tried stopping you. Making things up, lying. Mm. I guess I, I just got to deal with it. A.B. Brown. A.B. <laughs> Brown. I think that's where I'm going. <laughs> hey, hey, Dirty D. He's a good player, man, but tell him to stop crying and getting his um, – what's the guy's name in the afternoon? Jack Fritz. Is that his name? Jack Fritz? Bob Fritz? Don't, you, don't tell me because I don't care. I, I really, I don't care. Seals picks the most passionate fan base for kick. <laughs> Boy, it, the toughest, too. I'll tell you something. You guys are great. You guys are wonderful, tough, all that. No wonder Josh Innes couldn't handle it. No wonder he started screaming at everybody. From what I hear, guy was a shooting star and couldn't handle it. Guys got on him, ran him out of the market. That's what I heard. Sills, now it's time for you and to make that appearance. What's a certain mark be first in line, Sharpie in hand? Ooh, okay. Sure. Dan, were you on the Miami team that beat Notre Dame 58-7? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those convicts beat those Catholics up. <laughs> uh, Seals, apologize to A.B. Brown now. No, apologize to Owens. Terrell, I'm sorry for insulting you by calling you um, T.O. Brown or A.J. Owens. I apologize. I don't want to use your name like that. Okay, I apologize. No. Hey, hey, Barb, I'm going to get to the draft here in a second, I promise. Barb, you know who the coach was? It was Jerry Fouts. He, they flew me in. They flew me into Notre Dame on a recruiting trip. And the guy goes, Yo, you're not going to play here until like your senior year or whatever. And I'm like, whatever. And so we were like, whatever, man. You could put me on a – I went like this. You could put me on a bus and send me back. To Connecticut, they did. <laughs> they put me on a bus and sent me back. So when we were playing them and we were kicking the shit out of them, 58 to 7, I looked over at Fouts across the field and I went, have a nice retirement. By the way, we're, me and his son are friends to this day. We've made up. But I went, hey, Coach Fouts. He's like, hey, Dan. I went like this. Hey, congratulations. Have a great retirement. He's like, hey, sorry. I felt like shit when he said sorry, but I was in my I was in my element back then, and I was a complete asshole back then. I looked him right in the face and I said, "This have a great retirement." Walked off the field, giving Notre Dame the biggest ass beating in the history of the program, Beat, beating them by fifty-one points. <laughs> yeah. 
Bavaro was on that team. Yes, he was. So was um, Steve Berline. He was on that team. It beat the shit out of them. <laughs> they came down there, and we just torched them. We to- we we tortured them. Oh, we wouldn't let up. We put Notre Dame in a headlock, and it was a sixty-minute headlock. It was, dude. Eric Parsegian was screaming at us by the end of the game that we were unprofessional, unsportsmanlike. I got back to Connecticut. I went to a Catholic high school. I know some of you probably find that shocking, but I went to a Catholic high school. My nuns, when I showed up to see my coach, Joe Anslone, how could you do that to Notre Dame? I was like, what do you mean? He goes, and how could you say touchdown Jesus took a knee? I went, you know, I don't know, Sister Judith, did you know what I would do to you if you were still going to school here? I go, I know. I'd get the wiffle paddle. <laughs> I'd, I'd get the paddle with the holes in it. Absolutely, man. Whew. Big old forums on Sister Judith. Or no, that was Marjorie Fish. She was from the police place, the, the um, penitentiary. She was a nun of discipline gigantic guns on her and she was a good six four uh, uh dan Silio, please report to sister fish's office everyone in the room would go Ooh. <laughs> me too man <laughs> all right let me get to the draft here <laughs> again i get home my grandfather look at me and go you get paddled again i go I, yes i did why because I had my tie. I had to wear a tie every day. I, I ate Barb. I had to wear a tie every day. We couldn't wear jeans and we couldn't wear sneakers. We had to wear like, like uh dicky pants or something like that. And we had to wear a collared shirt. So I took, I always had my tie off. I had my tie around my head and sure enough, they saw it and called me in, get paddled in your ass for not having your tie on. <laughs> Big Sills had to wear a tie his entire schooling years. I had to wear a tie. Loafers, I did have to wear boot boat shoes. <laughs> All right. Dan, Leonard Taylor just ran a 507. Leonard Taylor ran a 507. <laughs> Shit. When are we ever going to put out a defensive lineman that could run under four nines? Good grief. What happened to these guys? I how, hey, how many years ago was I at UM my last year? 1987. What year is that? How many how many years ago? What what is that? Like 35 years ago? 34 years ago? How could I be running? How could I run four eights at 295? And this guy's running 507 at 285. How could and Jerome? 
was 310 running four eights. We couldn't go to the combines back then. Jordan Davis running F47 at 348 is the greatest piece of running I've ever seen by a big man in my life. I've never seen anything like that. It's one of the greatest displays of athleticism I've ever seen a guy do at the combines at that size. I tell you what, like I told you, he's never lived up to that athletic ability of his, or he's never produced to that athleticism. He is an athlete, but I think he hangs his hat on that too much. Doesn't put the work in. I think he could be 10 times better. Okay. Paul says Nate Wiggins reportedly with attitude issues. DB uh, Dijon, the kid from Iowa, recovering from a broken leg from November. So he may miss all the OTAs, some camp time, meaning first year is a lost year. Paul, you know what? That's a guy that could probably go down to 32 or 22, I mean. Would you draft him? You might want to think about that. If that guy fell to 22, best player available, and the only reason he's there is because he's recovering. And listen, it's not a knee injury. It's not It's not a knee injury. If it was a knee injury, that'd be a problem for me. But a broken leg? Okay. You know, I'm flexing. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. Corner from Iowa? I don't know. I don't know. You know? Okay, here. This is what I'm – this is my predictions on one, two – Three, four, five, six, seven, eight picks for the Eagles. I say their first round pick. I think they go OT. I think they go OT. You know what? Why would you go OT with the first pick? Why would you go OT? I say OT. When was the last good DB from Iowa? That's my point too, man. Depth and development. Um, it's what they do. Right. Very good, Rico. You guys are aging in the O-line. And if you got a $50 million quarterback, you want to keep investing in the O-line. Don't. I know. Listen, and I know you need a ton of work on defense. I'm with, get this, I'm with you. But for the first pick, hey, for the first round pick, pick a position that you have the least chance of failure, which is O-line. You got Stoutland and Kelsey in the building. I mean, you got Lane. You know what I would do if I were the Eagles and I was looking at an O-lineman? I would get Lane, Mulata, Landon Dickerson, I would get Kelsey, I would get Stoutland. I'd bring him in and go, what do you think of this kid? I would have, I'm not going to sit there and listen to Julian Laurie tell me about an OT from Northwestern. I'd give a shit what that kid thinks. I'd look at him and go, go get me a cup of coffee, kid. Go make me a sandwich from the great NovaCare Cafe that you guys have according to the NFLPA survey. Got good sandwiches down there, son. Go get me one. I, care, I don't give a shit what you think. We go tell my dad. And I bet you will. Little dork. This is what I would do. And, and I don't mean that with him. 
All analytics people are dorks. This is what I would say. I'd look at, I'd get those guys in the building and I'd go like this. Hey, you know what? That's a great point, Forrest. <laughs> Forrest Gump. That's a great point, Forrest. Think about this for a second. Is Jack Driscoll a good enough backup and depth for your offensive line? You know, I like him, actually, because he's a Swiss Army knife. You could play him at guard and center on both sides of the line, too. Okay, you could you could play him on both sides. So he's kind of he's kind of like a utility belt. So he's, you know, he's not great at any position, but he's good enough to play. So he, he's got a place on that team. He's a free agent. Damn. Going to have to make a decision there. How about this? Jack Driscoll's probably going to leave and go in the open market, start somewhere. I mean, one thing about you guys at O-line, man, in Philly, you're good. Look at the D- – hey, Andre Dillard sucked. But look at a contract he signed with Tennessee in the offseason last year. He signed a ton of money. I, You know what? Hey, Forrest, if it wasn't a lot of money, i try to bring back Jack Driscoll because I think there's a place on that team for him. I do. I think there's a place on that team for that guy. This is also what I'm going to do here. At the second pick, you guys have two twos, right? You have two second-round picks, correct? Well, what I would do here is I would take wide receiver. Here's why. Do you guys want to spend veteran money on WR3 where I could spend the money at safety and linebacker? And I could get a kid on a rookie deal. And most of the guys, like I told you, 60% of the guys that have made the Pro Bowl have been second-round wide receivers. You might land on somebody here. And you know why Howie might get it right here? We're here to help him. You know why? You might get best player available and best receiver available, which means your chances of failure at that position will be less. Because if at that second pick, the first of your second picks is a wideout, you should grab a guy there. Sills, would you trade your first and second, you got two seconds now, to move up? For who? Who in that draft blows your doors off? Is there anybody really in that draft that makes you go, wow? Marvin Harrison Jr., one of the old linemen. This is not a wild draft. There's not a Will Anderson Jr. There's not a Jalen Carter. Okay? There's no one like that in this draft. Pre-draft. Now, kids, tur- hey, no one knew Michael Parsons was going to be what Michael Parsons was. Okay? So... You could have somebody develop into that. But right now, heading in, Will Anderson, in my opinion, was a surefire success. I told you that. He's the best defensive football player Nick Saban's ever coached. And he won the rookie of the year. There's no coincidence to that kid being the player he is and was. I'll tell you something, I re- what I really loved about those Bama kids and why I really loved that kid. 
He didn't have to play in that Sugar Bowl last year. He did not have to. Him and Bryce didn't have to play. But they started something and they finished it. That was a character thing for me. And no wonder D'Amico Ryans talked so highly of Will Anderson. That's a that's a character thing. You start something, you finish it. You don't quit it midway through because all you're doing is practicing quitting. They started something and they finished it. I thought it was a character thing. And to me, I like that. I like the kid verse too, man. Florida State's been really, AJ, FSU's been putting out a lot of good edge rushers over the last couple of years. Ever since they got rid of Dumbo Fisher, they've actually improved on their defensive side of the football. Dumbo Fisher didn't do a very good job of having defensive football players on that side of the ball. And that's also why he lost his job um, in College Station is because he couldn't recruit defensive guys. You know, he, he left he left Florida State just empty in the cabinet. And it's rightfully so that Dumbo Fisher lost his gig. I want defense and all defense. Hang on here now. The wide receiver position that you get here, it's a money thing too. You don't have to pay a veteran minimum of a million. You get a kid on a rookie contract and you have to fill that role. And what are you going to do with AJ the following year? You know, you got to pick up this option. You have to do something with Devontae May 2nd. You can extend him on the 2nd of May, okay? So you're extending him. Gives you a little bit more latitude. But you know what that means when you pick up that extension. Next year, that money comes on the table. He's going to make $18 million. So you're going to have two wide receivers making $20 million and a quarterback making 50, two tackles making 25 million. Are, are you really going to do that? You don't have the money to tool your defense if you're doing that. And I know the cap's going up. Okay. The second, second round pick for me, I would take corner. I would take a look at the cornerback position and I would go corner. Now, Howie says he's got to do a better job here. Now, look, you got a second round corner here. Here, for me, here's why this makes sense. You can't move off of Bradbury. You know, and I heard somebody say this about get this. I want to show you how some of these comments don't line up with Howie's behavior. Xander, he heard this this morning. I heard Bill say this. That what was how he's supposed to say about Bradbury? Um, he's not part of the future. Diminish him in a trade. Well, you're not trading him because of the cap. Here's also something. Well, then why did you practice that with Wentz? When you at the end of the year you went like this, there's going to be an open competition for quarterback between Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. You did that right after the season. Don't you think you devalued Wentz by trying to trade him when you said that there was going to be an open quarterback competition? I mean, you got to stay on par here. So I see he said that Bradbury's part of the future, but you had to take a $33 million cap hit with Wentz. And at the end of the season, go back and look. Howie Roseman said that there'd be an open competition at quarterback between Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. You devalued the quarterback before you even dealt him. 
Okay? That's not the point, dickhead, that he requested a trade. Howie said there'd be an open competition. And so did Doug. This was all before they were fired. Why would the organization devalue a guy if you're trying to move him? They did that with Wentz. You did it with Wentz? Oh, I see. Bradbury's more important than a quarterback? They knew Wentz would never win an open competition against Wentz. I don't know that. I don't know that. Okay? Dirty D goes, we still got the first for him. It was conditional. And the only reason you got the one is because Wentz played his ass off at Indianapolis. Wentz had a great year in Indy. And, and, and played 75% of the snaps. And Jim Mercer all popped up on Mountain Dew, didn't know what he was doing with his prescription pads and his open pill bottles and his $30,000 in cash. Didn't know what good quarterbacking looks like. 27 touchdowns, six picks, 3,900 yards. Sixty-seven percentage completion, nine and eight. The only reason they the Eagles got get this, the only reason the Eagles got a one form is because Wentz played well. Is that not fact? That's what happened. It was a conditional one. That's how that played out. I say corner with the second pick. The second of the twos. Wentz couldn't handle. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. Stop my. I'm not going over that again. It's all new shit. Whatever. I'm just saying. I'm talking about how how he handles himself. So. He says there's an open competition between Wentz and Hertz. And if you're looking to trade Hertz and, or Wentz and Wentz wanted out, you devalue a quarterback who's got a 30-some-odd million-dollar contract per year and you devalue that because you say an open competition before you deal him? And then you turn around and you talk at the combines, hey, well, Bradbury's part of our future. I'm not buying it. I think he really believes that. How You think Howie wants to be proven wrong that he gave Bradbury money? You're missing this whole thing here. This is ego trip. Number one. Howie's an e- Howie doesn't want to prove. Howie's whole thing is this. Hey, Bradbury had a bad year. He'll bounce back under Vic. You think Howie wants to go to the owner and say, Remember something, he's got to answer for these signing bonuses. Always start with the money here. You guys are nuts, man. Or is how he expected to say. How that's not how that's not the angle he's coming from. How he's coming from the angle, I don't want anybody to think I signed a guy to a bad deal. How he's not moving off that guy. 
Just like he's not moving off his draft picks. Jesus, criminy. I've been here two seconds and see it. You've been here 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and you can't. That's why when I got guys calling me now saying, hey, no one talks like this, Sills. You got the natives restless. It's not how he sees that. What'd you expect him to do? Devalue Bradbury? What are you talking about? He's not looking at it like that. You think he's going to go to the owner? Hey, does anyone know what the signing bonus was for Bradbury last year when they gave him a new deal? You got to go to the owner and express why you gave him that deal and why you're trading him or cutting him. You got to explain yourself for that. You got to explain yourself on how you're not. So get this. No, and Mr. International, is that true? They gave him an $18 million signing bonus. I want to, I want to be sure because if that's the case, if that's true, that they gave him an $18 million signing bonus. You really think it had anything to do with devaluing the player or how evaluing the fact that he gave him a pick and a contract? Where in the world are you coming from? Do you know anything about how the NFL works? Devaluing a player if you're going to deal him. When you wrote a check for $18 million and a signing bonus, and if you trade him or cut him, you got to go to your owner and explain to him why you gave that money to a player who didn't deliver the goods for you. What do you think is more important to Howie? Face with the owner or value of the player? Come on, man. Hey, screw the $18 million signing bonus. Just dump them. <laughs> yeah, well, who's answering for the $18 million? Howie? Yeah. He, the general manager, not the head coach, goes to the owner and says, here's the contract. And then Jeffrey Lurie looks at it and has faith in Howie in these enormous contracts. You know the $50 million a year, and it's true, okay? And it's true. The cap hits are great with Hurts. Still, Howie's got to look at that owner in the face and go, well, maybe it wasn't a $50 million year. Was it, that wasn't a $50 million year by Hertz last year. Yeah, but it's not so bad on the cap. Hey, may not be so bad on your cap, but in my wallet, it is. <laughs> eh, don't worry about the cap. Yeah, okay. So you are okay, but I'm out? Howie, what kind of math are we doing here? Leonard Taylor ran a 5-1-2. <laughs> I don't think I've ever run a 5-anything in my life. <laughs> Man. Damn. That's slow to me. 5-1, five, 5 flat. That's slow. Not me. 
You just put yourself from a first-round prospect into the second and third round. Damn, some maybe 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 fourth round. Damn, I'm not gonna talk shit on him on Twitter, but five one. If you ran a five one for Jimmy, we ran a five one seven. The first one, <laughs> you'd be an offensive guard. <laughs> Reports that Falcons are trading for first overall, LJ. Why would they do that? For Caleb Williams? When you can... Uh, I don't think Caleb Williams is better than Justin Fields. I don't think much of Caleb Williams. Okay. I don't. I don't think he's better. I think. I think um, Justin Fields. I think he's better than Caleb Williams. Guy's got to jump in the stands and cry to his dad after a loss to Oregon State or some shit like that. I mean, come on, man. I don't know. Come on, son. Come on. I. You know what? I'm. I'm liking Fields more. Let me finish. You know what I do with the third pick? So here, first pick OT. Second round, I would do wide receiver. And the other second, I would do corner. Your third round pick. I would get a tight end. Grant, Grant Katerra is nobody. You, you get And get this. Think about something went really hurt Jalen Hurts this year. In the games late in the season. You weren't thrown to the third wide out. You only had 36 catches combined. And then when you didn't have Goddard out there and you had Stoll and Grantera out there, Calcaterra out there, and you had those two guys, you got nothing out of the position. You were playing basically with nine guys versus 11. You got no production at a tight end and you got no production at a wide receiver three. I mean, you got to upgrade that position. At least get some depth there. Okay, got to get some depth there tied in. And you know what? You're great at drafting tight ends. Okay. LJ goes, he's still our best blocking tight end. What factor did it play late in the year when you couldn't run the ball? And you couldn't. Here, think about what LJ just said. He's the best blocking tight end, and they got outrushed pretty much the entire rest of the season from week 12 on. And you got no production catching the ball, and Jalen had an eight quarterback rating throwing to the middle of the field. How did that guy help? He didn't. He didn't. One of the fives. Now, you could package some of these things up here. I'd go corner again. Helps your special teams as well. Then with the second five, I would go running back. But this running back is going to be different. 
I'm not looking for a production running back. I'm looking for a guy who can block and give me some production. Man, you you got the worst blocking running backs in the league, and it showed. You didn't have a guy worth a shit back there. That Rashad Penny thing was a disaster. Kenny Gainwell is a dude. Boston Scott, you barely used. Um, Travis Swift, <laughs> DeAndre Swift. I mean, was he was good. He was a good ball player. Okay, but he can't block, and he's not a red zone back. He's good. He is. I just it wasn't an upgrade from Sanders. And I'm going to take one. Hey, the third fifth round pick, I'm going to get a linebacker. Let's see if he can land on something. Maybe best player available helps him. You know why we're doing it this way? OT, first round. They're great at offensive linemen. Wide receiver, maybe it's best player available in the second round. And the wideout lands with you there. And you get some somebody and he's cheaper than instead of spending a lot of money on a veteran wide receiver when you can get him in the draft here and a quality kid and a, possibly a kid who could be somebody that maybe he's an heir apparent to AJ leaving cornerback it with the second guy it's a need but you're not going to move off any of these corners because of the dead cap hits third tight end got to get some depth there and you got to get some production there you're starting to lose production there every time that guy misses games goddard i mean goddard's health has to be a factor in evaluating the position you go corner one of the fives first five depth maybe you land on a guy also helps you in special teams Running back at five. There, there's it's a terrible class of running backs. So you get a blocking guy, a third down back. Get a linebacker, he's not very good at it. So if you're not very good at it, I'm not gonna give you a high pick. You know, you guys want him to take Jeremiah Trotter. I don't. You know why? I don't trust them evaluating him. There's too much emotions on Trotter Jr. because of the last name. That is the last thing that matters in his evaluation is his last name. Why is it the first thing you guys bring up? I don't care if his name, if he was Reggie White's son. This has nothing to do with that. Hey, would it be a great story? Sure. Would it be awesome to have um, Trotter Sr.'s son play in Philly? Of course. But guess what? This isn't a fairy tale. This is about building a football team. And there's things that that football team does great, and there's things that that football team in the draft does not. And one of them is picking backers. Why would I give you a first-round pick to make a selection at linebacker when you have cut and drafted dogs for the last 20 years? Why in the world would I give you a first-round pick to draft a corner when you have sucked for 24 years at corner? Why do you keep going down that rabbit hole when you know you're not successful? It doesn't make sense. You keep shooting yourself in the foot. 
well, a, a shooter. Trotter was a good ball player. Okay, I mean, he's no Seth Joyner. Jeremiah Trotter was a good ball player. I, I mean, I, I, he's a tick above good. He's he was he was a pretty good ball player. He could play. Okay, and big hitter kid, toughness. I don't know. I wouldn't just go like this. He's some like Hall of Fame. He's a good ball player. Okay. I would I would not just I wouldn't I wouldn't disrespect that career like that. He could he can play. Oh, Griffin, really? John Randall's helping out Dunbar at the combines. Let's see here. I'll show you guys something cool. Let's see. I like hey, I like I like name dropping here as you can tell. Let's see here. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to Carl. I better not show his number. I'm gonna I'm gonna te- I'll text him after the show and ask him who he liked. And what guys. Okay. So I would say I, we'll, we'll we'll get a sense of what guys really stood out um when it came to the combines. I'm glad to see John Rand. I I know I think Saps there too. Okay, I think Saps there as well. And the last fifth round pick, I'm taking a safety. So here, one OT, two wide receiver, three corner, or wait, one OT, two wide receiver, your second two corner, your third pick tight end, your four fives, first one corner, second one running back, third LB. And fifth one, safety. That's where I would go. Okay? And again, most of this is going to come down after round two to best player available. The people that overcook these drafts, you know, I'll tell you, it's almost to the best interest. If it's me and I'm the Eagles at 22, I'm moving out of that pick. Because you know why? The quarterbacks. Well, here, Wake, are you? Here's why you take a wide out. And here's why you take a wide out. So you'd rather spend $3 million on a wide receiver to play the three hole for you instead of putting a guy in a rookie contract at 800 grand. Really? You'd rather spend veteran money and cap money on a veteran wide receiver to play the three hole for you? At least if you draft a kid, you're not wasting resources like money and cap space. You're signing a guy to a contract that's going to be team-friendly because it's it's a second-round pick. And he's a second-round pick. You're not spending a shitload of money on signing bonus. But if you sign a guy – so what guy are you going to sign veteran-wise that's going to figure to be a three guy? It's going to be the same. Why not draft a guy? Why would you put another guy in there? So that 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 Olamide guy, I thought he was a good ball player, but it wasn't good enough. 
Why don't you just draft a guy, pay him less? Dude, I'm talking about. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Money here. Okay? That's right, John. Jalen doesn't read the third guy. I think he's going to have to this year. I mean, the third wide receiver? Why in the world would you pay for a veteran when he can't find him? Look at his look at his throw chart. He had 36 completions to wide receiver three. Why would you pay a veteran? What's the point when you don't use it? Put a rookie in there. Let him he's cheaper. And you have him on cheaper deals for three years. You're gonna pay a veteran guy a million and a half, two million dollars to do nothing on your team again? Why? What's the point? You might as well keep Queasy Watkins. It makes no sense. Okay? It makes absolutely no sense. I, I, I don't get it. All right, let's take a timeout. Don't forget, Joe Theismann's going to join us at 5.30. We're going to take a look more into, again, the direction of Vic Fangio on defense, the number one priority that this guy has to get through for them to be respectable this coming season. We're working on somebody else too. See if we can land them. Hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Big Seals National Football Show. Efforting a special guest. Hopefully we hear in a couple of minutes here from him. Also, former NFL MVP Joe Theismann, former Monday Night Football guy at 530. Our good friend Joe Theismann will join us. And we appreciate you guys here with us now. If you could hit the like button, we appreciate it. Let me throw this at you here. So it looks like Denver's going to pick up the fifth-year option on Patrick Sertain. So they now have an option on the kid. It's smart. You could trade him with an option. Um, they're going to cut and move on. They, the way they're talking at the combines right now, they're totally moving on from Russell Wilson. I think he lands in Pittsburgh. It makes more sense. Why would you send him to Atlanta with a new coach? You send him to an experienced coach like Tomlin. That's more of a fit, in my opinion. Russell Wilson in Pittsburgh, I think it could revitalize his career um, being around a coach like Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is a guy that I think could get the last bit of juice out of Russell Wilson. If you look at Wilson's numbers last year, they weren't terrible. He did not have, okay, he did not have that bad a season last year. Okay? He, he did He did not. Okay, he has not had that bad a year. Okay, so at the end of the table, at the end of the day here, you're looking at a scenario here where I think he does. I think Kenny Pickett, just like they're going to move on from Zach Wilson when it came to um, telling him yesterday that he could look for a trade. There's no question that Kenny Pickett, they're going to move on from him. Fields, I think, is going to end up down in Atlanta. I think he ends in Atlanta. I think that makes the most sense for him. If I'm the Atlanta Falcons, that's a player that I would pick and trade for. Now, again, what do the Bears want? The Bears are going to want to try to get a one. Justin Fields is not going to get a one. He is not going to get a one or a first-round draft choice. So you're going to be talking about something in the second or third. Now, could this come down to highest bidder? We shall see. But again, the Bears want a first-round pick, obviously. Look where they took him in the draft. You're not going to get a one. You've you've, But you're going to be able to move off that pick, get your guy Caleb Williams, probably get a two and a three for him, maybe a third-round draft choice for him, 
and you're going to be able to do some things in the draft. If you're Chicago, that's your best. They're, 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 they're beginning that process now of moving off of him. And the conversation going on right now at the Combines is clearly that they're looking to move off of Justin Fields. So I say he lands in Atlanta, and I think Wilson lands in Pittsburgh. Um, something else on the board here. No question at all, and no mistake at all here, the conversations now in Dallas about Dak Prescott's contract have started to heat up even more. The big debate is if he's a $60 million a year guy. And what should the Cowboys do? Stephen Jones at the Combines is now saying that they're working on a contract extension. What's the number this year? He's $59.4 million when it comes to the cap here. I think that's what the number is when it comes to his cap hit. And they're sitting there saying that there's absolutely no way that we could go into the season here with the ability to sit there and have that go against the salary cap. So they are going to set a new contract. The question is, do you move on from him? Do you give him 60? Do you pay him more than Burrow? Or do you pay him 55 million, same as Joe Burrow. This is where you have to start coming to having some common sense here if you're the Cowboys. You have to ask yourself this, and the Eagles will be in this position also soon because this is going to be a Jalen Hurts question, and I'm going to morph into it. Ask yourself, if I pay him $55 million a year for three years, is Dak Prescott going to give me a chance to win the Super Bowl? Yes or no? After this year, how about this? Let's do it now. Does Jalen Hurts right now give you a chance at $50 million starting March 30th, a year? Does he give you a chance to win the Super Bowl? If you were to answer that question, like the one in Dallas is being asked, is that going to win, give you a chance to win a Super Bowl? Do you believe Jalen Hurts starting March 13th making $50 million is going to give you a chance to win a Super Bowl? All these organizations have to ask that question. I don't think it's a bad question. I don't think it's an indictment on anybody. But think about the money you're going to spend. The more money you spend on a quarterback, the less you're going to spend on lesser pieces around him. You better be damn sure. Some would go like this. Well, Sills, you always go to Kansas City. Right. The contract, you could pay, you could pay Patrick Mahomes $70 million a year, and it'd be worth it. You know why? They don't need anybody. They really don't need anybody. He carries an organization on his back. And he helps them financially. It's what Brady did also. They never spent a lot of money in offense. Outside of the O-line and Brady and some money to Gronk, they never spent a ton of money. They didn't spend money on Randy Moss. They didn't spend money on Deion Branch. They didn't spend a ton of money on Wes Welker. They didn't spend a ton of money on them guys. 
you you know you you here you look at what Peyton Manning did. Peyton Manning had Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, Dallas Clark, Edron James, um, a great O line. They spent a ton of money and they won one title there. Is it worth it? And that's what I say with with Hertz. Hertz can't carry a ball team now. You take if you t- hey let me let's do this. If you took AJ Brown and you took Dallas Goddard and you took one of your tackles, Landon Dickerson, I'll give you Kelsey. You think Jalen wins the Super Bowl or he wins 10 games? No way. He ain't that guy. Majority of the league's not. The majority of the league is not that. So I'm with you. Okay? That's what Dallas is right now. Dallas is sitting there doing this. Because, I, 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 I mean, I, I, w- I was talking to Michael Irvin the other day, and Michael Irvin's like this. He goes, would you pay Dak Prescott $60 million? I'm like, what's your option? Cooper Rush? Did, do you go to Cooper Rush, not pay the money, and spend that money on three other good players? That's kind of what San Francisco's doing. What do you do? Because you're going to have that conversation in Philly one. Hey, if Jalen has if Jalen has an okay year, I heard Kayla t- today, or was it yesterday, she was talking about, I don't think he's going to bounce back to a Pro Bowls type season. I think he's going to be okay. That's not going to be good enough to pay a guy $55 million just to say he's good enough. That's not good enough. You can't keep throwing money after money and not getting the result. By the way, showing up to postseasons. So I guess some people are happy that the Cowboys in the last three years have won 36 games. What has that gotten you? Dak Prescott has cost them almost $150 million winning 36 regular season games and has not won one playoff game. Oh, wait. He beat Brady. They got crushed by the Packers, and they got beat by the 49ers. I'm like, what have they done in the last three years to justify the 150? Nothing. And don't tell me, well, it's the market. Well, I'm not going to pay because the market tells me Dak Prescott, $60 million. You know, then you have to wonder at the end of the day here if the Dallas Cowboys or if Dak Prescott's people start looking like this, maybe we have to leave Dallas and go somewhere else to win a championship. Maybe we have to go somewhere else. These $50, $60 million quarterbacks don't pan out. They don't pan out. And if they do, it's early, not late when you have to pay them. Once you pay these quarterbacks, and it's not named Patrick Mahomes, you're in a kill zone where you've got a debate. Do I keep paying this guy more, losing other players on my team? Because the more I pay him, the further I get away from winning championships. You know, Barb, you could say that Dak's a failure. 95% of the league then, the quarterback market is out of if the running back market is not right, the quarterback market 
is not right. You know, I think one day they're going to put a cap on this. They're, they're going to put a cap on this thing. Okay? They've got to. The more you're escalating these salaries at that position, the more you're hurting your team. You're not helping your team by paying these quarterbacks $50, $60 million. You're not. And get this. The best the Eagles have been under Hertz is when Hertz was making a million and a half. You think the team's going to get better? I think that's a great question with the draft and free agency here now. You think the Eagle roster is going to get better over the next three years when you're paying all these guys? Do, do you think they're going to get that roster is going to get? You think they'll ever, ever will Jalen ever play with a roster better than 22? I'm, I say no. I say that's the best roster that that guy will ever play on because of the money that they're spending in other places in the offense. The quarterback market is killing these teams, and that's the parody the league loves. They love it. They love that, man. Okay? Absolutely. All right, let's get over to the to the defense this year and what Vic has to do. You know, I was talking with Dave Wanstatt, and he was giving me some insight on Vic, and I, I asked him the question about the Psy and what Tom Thayer said because those guys kind of work together up in Chicago. And Tom had a really interesting comment yesterday when he was talking about building that defense and then looking at what the Psy did a year ago and then bringing Fangio in. He said it just didn't make any sense to him. So we turned around and I asked him, I go, what do you think Vic is going to bring to the table here? He goes, well, he's going to bring in a position where there's going to be more accountability. And I said, okay, accountability, how? Alignment. There's going to be more fundamentals that way. He's going to be more balanced at the three levels. Okay. Bear says this, just a question. Was it Mahomes? Are many factors as close as as last two Super Bowls were. I'm, I'm, what do you mean, Bear? Kind of help me out here on that. Um, just a question, was it Mahomes? Are any factors are close as the last two Super Bowls were? Okay, I'm not sure what you're saying there. So clarify a little bit. Um, I think Vic, again, here's the, here's the job that you have to have here with this. Howie and him have to work hand in hand at what they're going to want out of this defense. Are they going to bring more blitzing? Are they going to bring more pressure? Are they going to get more help for Josh Sweat? Okay. Are they going to be in a position where they're going to go free agent? I think they're going to go heavy free agency. And they're going to bring in veteran guys because that's the place to go. That's his strength. That's Roseman's strength is bringing in veteran dudes. Okay? Barb says that it wasn't just Mahomes. Um, Eagles need to draft edge depth. I don't think they need to draft edge depth. I think they need to acquire edge depth. They're not good at edge. They're not good at evaluating edge. Okay? 
He's they're not good at it. Stick to what you do best. Find one guy in free agency. Move Reddick. Reddick wants $26 million. He thinks he should be paid like J.J. Watt. That's the word coming out of Indianapolis. There's not a chance in hell they're going to pay Josh. They're going to pay Hassan Reddick $26 million. You can forget that. The agent is in Indianapolis right now, Hassan Reddick's people, and they're talking to teams. And they're talking to potential trade partners that the Eagles could maybe trade with. But the Eagles are not going to get more than a third-round pick for him. Now, that's not bad. But this guys he's an elite pass rusher. He's not an elite player. I'm not paying $26 million for a one-trick pony. It's just not happening. Pete says he's not even worth 20. Not signing that guy for anything above $16 million. He doesn't bring enough to the table. And what Vic wants, and if Vic is going to do the same stuff we just talked about, Reddick is the oddball out in this whole thing. He's the oddball guy out. I mean, at the end of the day, he doesn't fit in Fangio's defense. You fit when you stop the run and you can get home with multiple people. But he's not the guy. Okay? He's not. What you, you, $26 million? There's not a team in the league. But listen, I get it. You're going to ask for the most you possibly can get and hope that you land on 22. Griffin says, I would sign Chase Young for a one-year deal. He's not a $15 million guy. His market value right now is about $13.2 million. I thought he played well in the postseason. He knows the division. He's played in the NFC. Would I take a gamble on that? I don't have a problem spending $13 million on Chase Young. Chase Young's a better ball player than Hassan Reddick. Wait, I'll take that back. He's a more complete player than Hassan Reddick. Reddick can't cover. Not that they asked Chase to do a lot of that, but Chase can tackle. Chase can play on the, on the perimeter with tight ends. Hassan can't. He gets manhandled on the perimeter. He gets manhandled. All right, just stay one year. Well, that prove it years is what Howie has done his entire career. He's he's done stuff like that. He's given the guys, especially over the last three years, Roseman has done that. He's gone to the one-year prove-it contracts. Sweat is not cheap. He's got a market value of $21 million. Okay? And Chris goes, we've we've seen Reddick make tackles. Dude, he's not a good tackler. He's evaluated as one of the worst tacklers in the league. He can't cover to save his life. You drop him in coverage, he's a lost soul. You're not going to pay a guy what you pay TJ Watt. You're out of your mind if you think he's in the conversation. Again, nobody lets ball players that are that talented just walk out the brew, walk out the building, and not offer contracts to. They did it twice. Now, albeit it's Arizona, Carolina. I get it. I get it. 
Spins like we need a DT or DE. Later rounds, okay? Later rounds, most sacks Chase Young had in a season is seven and a half, and that was his rookie season. Hey, Forrest, that's not what Vic Fangio is looking for. He's looking for a guy who can tackle, cover, and rush the passer. Hassan Reddick can only do two of those three skill sets. That's why he's been asked to go find a job somewhere else. You guys are getting that, right? Reddick has been told to go find a job somewhere else. And some of you are going like this. That's negotiations. You don't let your best player go find a home and raise market value. And you know why he's asking for 26? He's trying to set the market for himself. That's an agent conversation. His market value right now is $14 million. It's not 26. He's asking for $11 million over his market value. That's why people are not knocking his door down. By the way, people said that there's people are calling the Eagles for a trade. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's an absolute lie. Nobody in the world's calling the Philadelphia Eagles to trade uh, Hassan Reddick at 26 million annually. And that's what the player wants. That's an agent driven conversation. And his agent has spread that out. And even the Eagles are not dumb to, to know that. I think that's an absolute lie that he's got a market value. With who? Who in their right mind would pay Hassan Reddick $26 million? Barb, no. He's trying to call the Eagles bluff. That's what he's doing. He's trying to call the Eagles bluff on this. Because the cap amount went up, some of the players are going to set the market. Something Reddick is trying to do like Christian Kirk did a few years ago when the Jags overpaid for him as well. Pete, that's exactly right. His agent is putting out the $26 million number. The teams aren't going to bite on that. And so when you're saying that there's a, there's a bunch of teams, who's saying that? The agent is putting that out. Nobody's... Nobody, look, according to Dan Morgan and and Alonzo Highsmith, that guy's got a market value of $15 million, not 26. Where did he come up with that salary? Because he sees what some of these other edge guys are getting. He thinks he belongs in that category. Because, hey, no question, he's got the sacks. But when you get him on your team, you don't know what to do with him. You just don't know what to do with them. Hassan's the best ability is availability. Never missed a game. Speaks a lot. Reddick's cap hit is 21 million or so, but Eagles are only paying him 15. If I'm Hassan Reddick, you might just want to play this final season out here and put up some great numbers again, like you have. And get into the open market. Because right, you're not going to get $26 million, dude. You're just not. You're not getting that cash. He could say all the things he wants. And by the way, you know, you're talking about the premier edge rushers like 
um, Miles Garrett, um, even the guy in Buffalo, Von Miller makes a ton. Khalil Mack makes a ton of money. All of that. And I just don't think he fits in what they're doing here with um, and what they're doing here with Vic Fangio. I don't think he fits in. So at the end of the day, you got to figure out, do you move off him? Do you draft a position or do you acquire? You're going to, hey, you're going to have to spend dough on that side of the ball if you're going to retool that defense. You're just going to. Going to have to spend some cash. I think Vic's got quite a job ahead of him. Okay. I do. Pete, I'm, I'm, I'm look, they got a long way to go here. This thing's like a two year rebuild. It's a two-year rebuild to get back to respectability. And I, I would I would put it out here this. Your linebacker positions? Dude, man. Okay. Okay. I mean, you're going to have to spend money in free agency at backers. I, I don't know what that means, Flex, and we're all good here. <laughs> appreciate it. Did Mahomes win it or play calling win or lose it as close as the last two Super Bowls were? Did Andy win it? Was it Andy? Or was it Mahomes? And the last two Super Bowls. Those play, that that touchdown pass in overtime was awesome, and that play was awesome, and it was set up. It was a great design. It's Mahomes. It's it's all Mahomes. Mahomes when he started running sixty six yards in the second half, the way he put the football team on his back. Mahomes is gener- Mahomes is more talented than Tom Brady. Will he catch what Brady did in his accomplishments will be another thing. But Mahomes is the greatest player at that position, talent-wise, the league's ever seen. There's no one better. Jimmy Johnson said that, too. Nobody's a great talent. That guy's the greatest talented quarterback I've ever seen. Nobody does it better than that guy ambidextrous throws he makes what he does under pressure his playoff percentage wins how he wins with very little people he's a super talented kid jimmy johnson said that he's the best football player he's ever seen at quarterback and i would say that's probably the truth there's been maybe john elway i think allen's got a lot of talent um but Mahomes is probably the greatest talent that's ever played at that position. And Andy knows that. Howie must have seen Jeffrey Lord go to over those. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Dude, a, a, a Peter, I think he did learn a lot of that stuff from baseball from his dad. His dad was on the 86 Mets. 
Chris Marino was a spectacular arm thrower. You're talking about one of the greatest arms in the history of the National Football League um, when it came to Dan Marino. Spectacular arm. Couldn't jump over a stack of quarters. But um, you're talking about one of the greatest passers in the history of the game. There's no doubt about it that he was. But Andy's had an influence, though. Clearly in his development of reading defenses, he said it too. He, he has said it numerous times. Chris, I would make this comment to you that Marino's probably the greatest passer, arm talent, thrower of the ball. The, how about this? The deep throw more than any quarterback of all time. He's probably the best deep thrower of all time. I would put Moon in there. Um, I'd put him in that conversation. But Mahomes does everything great. Runs the ball, can run an RPO when he has to. They don't want – you see, I think the Eagles need to do more what Andy does with Mahomes. I think they should bring I, – I, taking the RPO out completely is killing Hurts' ability to win the games that matter. Jalen's going to win a ton of games. He's going to win a ton of games. But to just take out the RPO – Kansas City doesn't want Patrick Mahomes running the RPO, but he'll do it when he has to do it. What was the one thing that was different from the first half in the Super Bowl to the second half for Kansas City? What was the difference? I thought the 49ers did a great job defensively against Kansas City. I thought they did a great job. Thought it was a really good job that they did. Well, what was the one thing they did? That's right, Yale. They went to RPOs and designed runs. Shit they hadn't done all year. Some of the stuff they hadn't done all year, that was the difference in the ball game. That's what they need to do to Hurts. They need a play caller that's going to be a unicorn play caller. I don't want just a Kellen Moore style of offense. I want a coordinator that's going to run an RPO when I need it and not need it. That's the key in the fundamentals of that offense. I think it should be not, what did I write down? Kellen Moore is going to go in there and he is going to, what, what's the line that people are using? He, they're going to ex- try to accelerate what they did in 23. That's not what I'm looking for. That's why I'm having questions again. Again, we'll talk to Joe Theismann at 5.30 on Kellen Moore if he's the right coordinator for Jalen Hurts. So we'll do that, okay? Andy, Andy adjusted. He did. He absolutely did. Maybe they want to limit his running. Yale, why would you limit? Yeah, I don't want to limit anything. I want to use the thing that does it the best to get me the win. And if that means Hurts has to run 17 times in a game – the same thing that had to happen with Mahomes in the second half of the Super Bowl, so be it. Every game is going to be different. Every team is not going to have the same personnel. You know what I'm saying? Every team's not going to have the same personnel. So you're going to have to adapt. Those are the teams and those are the quarterbacks, in my opinion, that are worth the money. Afraid he'll get hurt? Shit, dude, it's the league. You're a, the reason that they took the RPO out for Jalen Hurts is because they're afraid he's going to get hurt. 
Well, okay, I mean, why'd you pay him then? You're 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 overvaluing the kid. To me, if you pay for a two-year-old and you pay 10 million bucks for a two-year-old and you don't run him in the stakes races, what's the point? What's the point? To look at him? Ride him in your farm? If I'm spending money on a two-year-old thoroughbred, I'm going to run him in the three stakes races, come hell or high water, I'm either going to become a trillionaire or I'm going to be a guy who wasted my $2 million. I'm trying to turn, you're trying to turn $50 million into a, here, here's something to think about, guys. Here's something to think about. Patrick Mahomes is worth $75 million a year. Any team would pay that to have him as their quarterback. Like, he's like the LeBron James of quarterbacks in the league. He can go to any team and make you a playoff contender. He'll go to any team to make – he can go to Chicago and make you a playoff contender. He can go to Carolina and make you a playoff contender. Shit, he could probably win a Super Bowl with the Bucs and Mike Evans. He's worth it when you have that. His value is worth more than he's being paid. 95% of the quarterbacks that are being paid now are not worth their value. That's why we just got through talking about Dak. Dak's not worth 60. Jalen's not worth 50. Is Lamar worth 51? I don't know. I don't know. Every one of these guys, their value, once you start getting paid, it's you're trying to increase the value of the player by the player's production. Every one of those guys that got paid, like Kyler Murray, how about Daniel Jones? Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, all these guys that get paid like that. It just doesn't make sense. When you're talking about, again, what you're looking for in a quarterback that can carry your, your football team here. Um, so is it, is it, any, it, no, it's, in my opinion, it, it, it's Mahomes. Seals, imagine Mahomes in Philly. You couldn't afford him. You couldn't afford him. If you're going to have all the talent around, around the guys that you have, there, there's no $40 million in wide receivers in Kansas City. Dude, Cosmo, if he played in Philly, they'd never lose a game, and they'd beat teams by 30, even with a shitty defense. If that guy was in Philadelphia with that offense and that O-line and all of those weapons, Patrick Mahomes would throw for 7,000 yards. Devontae Smith would be a 1,300, 1,400-yard receiver if he was in that world. Lamar can't finish Yale? I think they panicked in Baltimore, in my opinion. I think they totally panicked. 
when they had him throw the ball 47 times. Okay? Don't forget our friend Joe Theismann, former NFL um, MVP, is going to join us at 5.30. We'll get his thoughts on what he thinks there. Kelsey gets no credit for being a weapon. Kelly Green, you're going to see that to a point. Kelly Green, that leads me to this. Do you think the Eagles should put a date on Fletcher Cox and Jason Kelsey and tell these guys we need to know by this date? You think they should put a date on that? Hey, guys, we need to know what's going on here. If we got to draft some DTs or we got to slide Jurgens over and um, we got to draft a guard in the first round or tackle or alignment in the first round. What do you do with those two guys? Do, do, you, do you tell Kelsey and Fletcher? We need to know. And I know some of you are going to go like this. Well, maybe not Kelsey. Well, shit, man, you got to, your draft's coming up. How about this? Should the players at least tell them before the April draft? I would think that you at least would want to know what the direction of your old line is going to look like before the draft. Take Kelsey back? Of course you take Kelsey back. Okay, absolutely. I think you put a date on this stuff, though. you got to find out, in my opinion, you've got to find out what these guys' plans are. Look, Fletcher Cox is going to have a market. There's going to be a bunch of teams. He's going to be like Dominic and Sue here coming up. Okay? He's going to he's going to be like a Dominic and Sue. There's going to be a situation where he's going to land either in Pittsburgh or Cleveland or places like that that are going to give him between 7 and 10 million dollars. And he's maybe I get this, maybe Fletcher doesn't sign until like midway point of the season the same way that Adama Katsu and Linville Joseph did a couple of years ago. Or maybe he's out there in the open market. You bring Fletcher back to Philadelphia after week eight. I don't know. But he's going to have his options on where he's going to land. He just can't come back to Philly, in my opinion, because I think you need the roster spot. Okay? I, I think you just need that roster spot. Rico says you need Fletcher. Well, then, dude, why'd you draft the three, the 13th pick, and the ninth pick in the last three years? Eventually, you got to move off of Fletcher Cox, don't you? Don't you eventually have to start cashing in your draft picks and not having to pay the big money for Fletcher? $10 million for a 34-year-old DT? That's quite a bit of money, especially when you're looking for your other two guys to be the starters. If, if, if Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter are not your starters going into 2024, you got a problem in your drafting again. And I think they do well at drafting tackles. They'll draft another DT high. Maybe second pick, the second round pick, maybe. Fletcher would be a good rotation guy at the right price. Right, Chris? Like, Chris, pay him five with the ability to make eight. He might bite on that. Look, personally, I don't think Fletcher wants to go anywhere. I think he wants to hang it up in Philly. But if I can make $10 million somewhere else and give me another chance to win a Super Bowl and maybe go to a place like Kansas City. Hey, let me ask you guys this. 
I, I, I don't know this for a fact. Was Fletcher in the building when Andy Reid's last year? Was he in the building with Andy Reid, Fletcher Cox? Was 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 Andy? He was. Okay. How about Fletcher Cox taking the place of Chris Jones if Jones goes somewhere else and they sign Fletcher Cox in Kansas City? LJ, you think Fletcher would be open to going to Kansas City? I think Fletcher's going to get paid decent from another team. He's taking that money. That's what Xander says. So what if Kansas City gives him instead? See, look, if you don't have to pay a guy $30 million and you play Fletcher Cox $10 million in Kansas City, could you see Fletcher Cox playing football in Kansas City with Andy Reid? If Chris Jones moves on and they don't retain him and they move him, or how about this? He goes to Kansas City anyway. And you have Chris Jones and Fletcher Cox playing in Kansas City. Could you see Cleveland with Jim Swartz or Andy in Kansas City or Pittsburgh because it's close to home and it's Tomlin? I think those three locations are for him. I think Andy Reid would love to have Fletcher Cox. Fletcher's still productive. Okay, Callie, you agree? Fletcher's still productive. You put him next to Chris Jones in Kansas City? Gets a chance to win another ring? You might be a Hall of Famer. He's 33. And I thought he was, how many sacks did he have last year? Six? 33 years old? Six sacks, still productive, still playing a ton of reps. I mean, we're talking we're talking about a productive guy here and a guy people like. They like the player. Okay, hey, <laughs> hey listen, nobody wants to see Fletcher in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. Sitting there with that. Cause, hey, and by the way, playing in Kansas City, you, it's like a rock show now. Plus, you're playing with one of the Kelsey kids. Fletcher Cox in Kansas City to replace Chris Jones. I think Andy Reid would bite on that. And so I think Brett Veach. Hey, didn't Veach work with him too in Philly? Be a perfect teammate and a great fit. I think he's a great fit in KC. Fletcher's talking a little crap on on, on Hurts, too, and his leadership. Dude, who doesn't want to play with Patrick Mahomes? Flexing, I don't want to get rid of Fletch. It's just the price tag's too big. That's my opinion. Just the price tag's a little bit too big. Cox was, um, Casey's likely moving on from Sneed too. That's not what I heard. I heard they're giving him the tag. I heard they're putting the franchise tag on that guy. Fletcher's the guy. He's 29 years old. 
and he's commanding $32 million. They put the tag on him, it's 32. Dude, that's a big franchise tag for a 29-year-old defensive tackle, and he is great. He is the best interior tackle right now. Milton Williams has one more year left on his contract, from what I understand. Yeah, where does Howie spend his money? Like that, Yale. How we spend the money. Where would you spend the majority of your money on defense? I'd spend the majority of my money at linebacker. Because Fangio, that's his centerpieces. His centerpieces are linebackers, and you have none. You need linebackers. Okay? You need linebackers. And by the way, please, folks, Patrick Queen is a non-starter. How he's not spending $20 million for that guy per year. They're not deviating off that. I'll tell you what. That would be one of the most course-changing things in my time covering the Eagles if they go and spend $20 million on Patrick Queen. It's totally what Roland says. It's a pipe dream. If that's somebody, hey, could they? For sure. Would they? Unlikely. It's not their behavior. They would rather do what the Bears did. I'd rather take the 20 million, cut it in thirds, and pay for three guys, then pay for one guy. Baltimore went with the one guy, Roquan Smith. Chicago went with two guys, cut the $100 million in half, with two dudes, I think maybe two or three guys. So they spread it out. Sales, the free agent class of LBs is flush with talent. Position can be addressed easily if we sign the right guys. LJ, I trust Howie. To your point, I trust Howie more dealing in free agency with the linebackers than I do with him in the draft. And that's why I said, hey, draft a linebacker in the fifth round because I don't want him using high picks because he's not good at it. And his department's not good at it. So that's kind of why I would say free agency, spend the money at LBs. And I agree with you. I agree with you, LJ. I think there's a ton of good linebackers that you can land on that are going to be in the seven or six million dollar range where you could get some quality guys in the building. Dude, if Nicobe Dean is starting for you, guys are going to win five ball games. He can't be your starter. Reed Blankenship can't be your starter. And by the way, if you improve your linebackers, here, let's do this. If you improve your linebacker play and you improve your safety play, is there a chance your corners are going to be better? 
Yale, think about this for a second. When you had TJ Edwards, who had 159 tackles, and you had Kaiser White at 117, you had 276 tackles between two dudes. You never replaced that. You think those guys at 276 tackles had a bearing on the corner play? You almost had 300 tackles that you couldn't replace. And you combine that with the 70 sacks. You couldn't replace both of those. You think that had any play on the corner play? If you get better linebacker play and you get a better pass rush this year, does that improve Bradbury? That's why Howie, it has nothing to do with devaluing a guy if you're going to trade him. It's the $18 million signing bonus you gave him that you have to justify that to your boss if you cut him or if you trade him and the cap hit. That's why it has nothing to do. Howie said, Howie's, Howie's opinion, we're going to improve our linebackers again. We're going to get a better pass rush and our corners are going to play better because of it. He's not fundamentally wrong. He's he's not fundamentally wrong here. Okay? He's not. Bradbury might be able to turn this thing around if you have better linebacker play. Dude, if two levels in front, what was the biggest issue that the defense had this year? They couldn't stop teams on first and third down. Teams just stopped doing running the ball. They were throwing the ball on first. You were down at the bottom of the league on first down throws and third down throws for first downs. You couldn't stop anybody. And by the end of the year, after your defense couldn't stop the run, it was a train wreck. How could corners play well on that? You can't. There's no way. Right. It, it, Yale's calling it back tackling. I'm calling it chasing. You're constantly behind the sticks and you're constantly chasing. You're, 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 you're behind the play. How does Howie overcorrect Callie Green? What LJ said, okay, there's a lot of good-looking linebackers that are in the draft. Okay, there's a lot of good linebackers. You don't have to go for the top highest-priced guy. Kansas City has some solid linebackers in Kansas City. You don't have elite dudes there. You know, Kansas City's defense has two elite ball players on it. The kid McDuffie and Chris Jones and Sneed. The rest of them are really good ball players. They're really good players. I would take a whole unit of really good players. I don't have to have the elite guys in the league to win a Super Bowl, especially with my offense with the kind of talent that you have on it. Rico, that two-gap and shit, that Matt Patricia, man, I don't know. Matt Patricia is a horrible coach, and he is an overrated position coach. The one thing that was exposed with Matt Patricia, he went for a joyride in New England and when somebody shows me three Super Bowl rings on that guy's resume, he went for a joyride. He is not a good coach. There is no way that that guy is a good 
position coach or a head coach. And if his boy's not coaching, Bill Belichick, that guy should never coach again. He's got a poor bedside manner, and that Eagle team exposed him. They didn't want to play for him. He sucked. The two-gapping, they went to a 34 look, two-gapping the two tackles who weren't two-gappers. You didn't have linebackers that could play in a 34. That guy was a train wreck. He went for a joy. Those three Super Bowl rings, he should send Bill Belichick. Honestly, he should send Belichick a paycheck every year for him winning those three because he didn't deserve them. That guy, that guy was he was he was a bus rider. He didn't drive the bus. You know how there's certain people that drive the bus. That guy was a passenger on the bus. He had no impact. I and I have. He got exposed. Like I thought, Matt Patricia, and I did. I thought Patricia was going to bring some specialty to the Eagles. And I thought actually at the beginning, I said, hey, man, you know, sometimes what? Let me let me show you another example of this. So do you guys know where, where Brandon Staley was before he got the Charger job? Do you guys know where he was before he got that job? You guys have any idea where, 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 where Brandon Staley was? Before he got the, that's right. Very good. Forest Hill, Griffin. He was the Rams D coordinator. Well, after Raheem got the job, how come the Rams didn't interview him? And how come they didn't? What they had a Zoom with him. Les said he had a Zoom with him. How come they passed on him? if he was so good of a coordinator in Los Angeles. They passed on him and went with Shula. Why did they pass on him? It's a telling thing. Sean McVay never went back to him. They completely passed on him. You would think if they thought he was a really good coach, they would have rehired him. Belichick did that shit all the time in New England. Why didn't they bring Staley back? I mean, they they went out of house instead of somebody that was in the room where some of those players knew. They looked at Brandon Staley and went, no, thanks. We'll pass. Kind of here with Patricia. That's kind of like what you're seeing now. And to me, I think that's exactly what happened. These th- That Eagle meltdown had a lot to do with him. How does that guy get a position coaching job again in the NFL when, you know, you're, 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 you look at I, – I hear that Raheem's talking to him. I think that guy's fool's gold. I, th- I mean, I personally think that dude's fool's gold. Decide protege – to Fangio, like Patricia and Belichick. I'm with you, man. That doesn't always work out. Chris says this. If Fangio can get us to top 10, 15 defense, Chris, if you get the top 10 or top 15 defense in the league, 
and your offense remotely looks like it did in 22, now we're talking. Now we're talking. That's a lot to ask for, though, because of the personnel issues, and you're going to be doing the same stuff. You're going to have to – hey, remember what Dave Wanstead said about Vic Fangio? The system's not going to fail. It's going to be the players. This is going to be more so up to Howie. Does, like LJ said, do they go out in the market and do they spend the money to be able to bring those kids in and those guys in at the right positions? You know, somebody asked earlier, where would you spend the money, Sills? Where would I spend the money? Spend the money at linebacker, safety, edge, Places like that. I spend some decent dough too. I wouldn't have a problem spending two spending seven million per on two linebackers, 13 million on an edge, um, eight million, seven million on a safety. You're gonna have to spend that kind of money to be a top 10 or top 15 defense. Dude, you can't keep doing this stuff with six, seven hundred thousand dollar guys and guys that have been cut and guys you get off a of practice squad. You're not going to turn that around. Too many teams in the NFC are getting better. Rams are getting better. Packers are getting better. Lions are getting better. Those younger teams are getting better. And where are you? Because the Eagles are kind of like in the middle right now because they still have a great offense. All right. Joe Theismann is going to join us at 530. And we're going to get his thoughts and we'll get his opinion on what's going on with Josh Harris also, the brand new own brand new owner of the Washington Commanders. That's at the bottom of the hour. Hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show. bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Power Hour, Big Sills. Joe Theismann will join us at the bottom of the hour. We look forward to him joining us. Get his thoughts again on what's going on with Josh Harris, the owner of the Washington Commanders. He's interviewing, so far, six of the prospects that they may be drafting in Indianapolis. I'd like to know what Joe thinks of them. So we'll we'll get him on and we'll get his thoughts in here in a second. You know, I want to go back to the first hour a little bit on what we talked about with this NFL Players Association um, survey. And I kind of goofed on it in the first hour. When, when you're a player and you get to the NFL, these facilities are nothing close to your college facilities. You don't go to the NFL because you get in a great locker room. Most of the locker rooms in the NFL – Compared to the locker rooms in your college, it's night and day. It's absolutely night and day. Okay? I mean, it's it, it's not even remotely close to some of these college facilities. So when, 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 when people put that, that must be like a new wave thing that people have when it comes to um, wanting these great facilities because that's not what players want. They want to be paid and they want to win. Look, I'm not saying that you should have a shithole for an organization and you shouldn't be taken care of. I saw some of you guys earlier going, Seal's taking it. Now, you're right. You want to have a great training room. I was fortunate. I'll tell you what, I got to the Bucks and it was night and day. And Miami did not have great facilities. When I got to the Buccaneers, you want to know what my press room was? It was a trailer park kind of setting. It was one of them trailer houses. We walked into this trailer house and we did press conferences in this trailer house at Old One Buck Place. I was like, what? Man, I came from Miami. We had these tiered rooms. Everything was state of the art. Our dining facility was spectacular and it wasn't. One of the better places in the country. And when you went to the pro, dude, I got to tell you, when I went to Veterans Stadium, when the Eagles flew me in and they were thinking of signing me and they flew me in, I got to tell you, I have never seen a bigger shithole in my life at Veterans Stadium than what the Eagles had. And Jerome goes like this, look at my locker room. I was like, this is unbelievable. Now, the Cowboys I played for, state-of-the-art Valley Ranch. They did everything right there, man. I mean, it was 
my wife, then she was my girlfriend. She used to work out with me there. They had a mile track. It was incredible. The whole thing was, it was just state of the art. It, probably the best facility in the NFL at the time that they had was Valley Ranch and what Texram and all those guys did. And then Jimmy and Jerry, they upgraded it. It was second to none. But I went to Philly. I couldn't believe the locker rooms. The vet has a character and had a character to it. It surely did. But, dude, water was dripping down into the players' lockers, into, like, the area. I sat over with Jerome at his locker at the old vet before I did my workout for um, – who was the D-line coach? Was it Jeff Fisher? Does that sound right? Was Jeff Fisher the D.C.? of um the eagles back in like 87 does that sound right guys was it jeff fisher that worked me out was was jeff fisher it it may have been jeff fisher i don't think it was rex i don't think rex was there i think it was i think it was jeff fisher i thought he yeah but but um Griffin, wasn't Fisher the DC of that team of that defense? I I, I don't know. I, I I for some reason Jeff Fisher's name comes up. Um, and I thought he worked me out when I got there, and I thought he was a defensive coordinator. Anyway, so he worked me out. He goes, "Hey, we want to sign you," and you know I was like, "Oh, okay." And Jerome, of course, I told you the story. Jerome played shitty against the Giants on Monday night, and he got screamed at. And then Buddy screamed at me and said, get this guy's ass out of here. You think I want another one of these motherfuckers around here? I looked at Jerome Brown. I know I've told some of you the story. I looked at him, and I went, you mother. Fisher goes, Fisher and the GM were stunned because, dude, they had a two-year contract in their hand to sign. But Buddy was so mad at Jerome. He goes, I know who you are. And buddy looked me right in the face. He goes, I know who you are. You know I know who you are. You think I want another one of you around here? And, man, I'm like this. And, buddy, man, get this guy's ass. He said that. Get this guy's ass out of here. I went. Jeff goes, I'm so sorry, dude. I go, it's all right, man. Jerome's like this. He got benched for that Monday night game because he played like shit. I just, so I, if Jerome had played great, I would have been an Eagle. I'm convinced of it. I'm totally convinced of it that I could, they had, they had a contract in their hands. Hey, Hey, Chris, they had a contract. And then, then I think I took off to San Francisco and I went to Kansas city, Seattle. And then I signed with Dallas. I think that's how that worked. My my first place that I traveled to was Philly. And I it did like I went from Philly to Kansas City to San Francisco to Seattle. And then my last stop, I stopped in Dallas and I and I signed with the Cowboys. <laughs> no, it's not why I hate no, 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 no. I don't hate the Eagles, man. That's not true. Joe Theismann's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. That's not true, man. <laughs> he, 
He hey, 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 Tony. Oh no, the vet had no Slurpee machine, dude. They had absolutely no Slurpee machine. Well, wait a minute. There's a oh my god. Hey Xander, there's a nice Slurpee machine now. That's in the Novacare Center. It's hey. <laughs> Hey, and it's not in the mess hall. (laughs) I'll leave it alone. I won't. Hey, you know, I promised my aunt I wouldn't make shit personal. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, there's a Slurpee machine. (laughs) Hey, Bill, I know you're listening. Hey, Bill, there's a Slurpee machine and it's in the coach's offices. (laughs) (laughs) it's in it's in the coach's offices it's not at the dining hall (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yeah hey man eagles get an a on this yeah no i saw the eagles got an a for the slurpee machine <laughs> oh my <laughs> look at even senors laughing. Holy shit. <laughs> Sales, can you speak on Buddy Ryan as a coach from your experience? I love the guy. I posted a picture of me and him on Twitter when he came down to Miami. And his first year with the Eagles was 86. Does that sound right, guys? Buddy's first year was 86. So he comes down. I posted, Xander, I don't know if you've seen it. I posted this picture of me and Buddy Ryan. Um, And Mike Piggs, I think it was, this offensive tackle. And he came down to Miami, and he was friends with Jimmy. He, he was really good friends with Jimmy. And Buddy had come, this was the first year away from Chicago. And so he comes down and he singles out Stubbs, Danny Stubbs. I think Stubbs played in Philly too. Stubbs, um, myself, and Jerome. And Winston Moss. He liked Winston Moss, who played in the NFL for a long time. Played with the Raiders too. Played with the Bucks. And he took us and we sat down with him and he did this two years in a row. So he came down to see us two years in a row. And um, you know what? I want to say he came down in 85 too when he was with the Bears and they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, but he came down when he was the coordinator. He just won the Super Bowl with the Bears. And then 86, his first year with the Eagles, and then I saw him in 80. I saw I saw Buddy three years in a row. And he'd come down and he would take us into these uh, film rooms. And we would sit here and he goes, what are you saying? What are you thinking? You see that right there, what he's trying to do to you? He's trying to influence block you. And I would look at it and i go, how can you tell? He goes, look at his splits. And so I'm looking at the splits. He goes, never, never look at the ball. Look at the splits. Look at the guys in front of you. Look at the formation. And look at what they're trying to do to you. Believe me, the ball will always take you away from the play. Your technique in front of you will take you to the ball. 
And me and him, me and Jerome and everyone looked at him and went, okay. He goes, they're always trying to influence you, influence block you, always trying to counter tray you. Guy pulls away. What do you do? Don't look away. Look back in because the guy's coming back in to block you and wham block you. He was so freaking brilliant as a coach. He gave you tricks of the trade. He just gave you tricks. He goes, you see you're lined up here like that? Tilt yourself like this, especially if you're in a gap stunt. And I would go, you mean tilt like this? And he goes, I go, what about the onside tackle if he, if he blocks down? He goes, if he blocks down, he's going to push you into the hole and you're going to create um, traffic in the backfield. He's going to push you to the ball. And I'm like, wow. And it worked. Everything he taught us, he would come down and talk. Dude, we were the number one defense in the country. I mean, my coaches were smart. Not like this guy. Not like this guy. He just was freaking brilliant. He showed certain techniques. He goes, this is what I did with Singletary. I told Mike to move back. Mike thought he had to play up on the ball because he didn't want to give the guards a running start. And, and Buddy says, let him have a running start. He goes, dude, you're quick. You better be quick enough to get around him. You don't have to take these guys head up. Remember, NFL is a game of corners. It's a game of leverage and corners and points. Anytime you're head up in something in the NFL, you're blocked. You got to play points. You got to play shades. And he taught us that three years in a row. He'd come down for two, three days, and he would sit there and talk. He was a major influence on our Miami defense. You could ask Jimmy. He'd come down, you know, after – of course, we had spectacular talent. But he would come down and talk with us, and he saw what we were doing. He loved what we were doing. Because you know what? We never blitzed. We, we, we had so many great pass rushers. I mean, I think one year and 12 games, I think we had 60 sacks. I mean, from our front four. The angles right there, Chris. Leverage and angles. Absolutely what he would say. Leverage and angles. He would say that all the time. Hey, the guy that's coming up here too had played against those Buddy Ryan defenses too, Joe Theismann. So he's going to join us in a couple seconds here. We'll get his thoughts. But, yeah, my experience with him is, is, is absolutely spectacular. And he was a great coordinator. I mean, it's just a shame that they didn't hire. You know what, Buddy? I think his ego hurt him on. I don't think Buddy was ever really given an offensive coordinator, and maybe the owner didn't give him the tools that they needed because, you know, as as many of you know, Keith Byers came on the program and said they had a deal worked out with Jim Lachey to come play in Philly. And when Norman Brayman couldn't be found and he didn't want to pay Jim Lachey, Lachey went to Washington. Or maybe he went, maybe it was that he went to the Chargers. I forget which way it went around. But um, they had worked out a trade for Jim Lachey. And uh, Byers and Lachey had went to school together at Ohio State. Everything was set up for Randall to have Jim Lachey as the left tackle. And that's why Buddy started calling him the guy in France. And he, he didn't want to pay it. And that's why Lachey was never um, an eagle. He was – 
Jim Lachey had agreed to become an Eagle. Had worked at it, talked Jim Lachey into it. Everybody was on board. I think Dave Remington did some conversation too. I think the whole thing was really odd that the owner didn't want to spend money on O-line. Isn't it funny your owner today loves spending money on O-linemen? Your, your, most, your most valued position is your O-line right now. Okay? Absolutely, man. And 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 that that goes into again when you're talking about coordinators like Buddy, is Vic that kind of guy? Absolutely not. So when I look at it, that, you know, and that's funny, when you guys ask me questions all the time, what do you think of Fangio? Well, you got to remember, I'm with Dave Wanstead who won three Super Bowls and a national title. I, I worked with Buddy Ryan. Okay, at Miami, you know, so Buddy Ryan. Um, Dave Wanstat, guys like that, Lamar Leachman, these are men that coached me. And so when you guys are talking to me about Vic Fangio, Vic's got a lot of great years of experience. But when you're talking about savant guys like Jim Johnson, um, Buddy Ryan, guys like that, the creator of the 46. That's a different dude. It's just a different guy. Those guys would like create positions. Like I've told you guys this before. Like, you know, personally, Buddy Ryan could be a Hall of Fame coach in the NFL um, as a coordinator to go into Pro Football Hall of Fame. I wouldn't have a problem putting that together for him. And if you could put um, Don Coriel in, I think you could put Buddy Ryan in as one of the great creators of one of the greatest defenses of all time. That 46 defense was insane. Now, they had insane players. They had absolutely insane players at almost every level. But he developed those guys. Those guys weren't all first-round draft choices. That 46 was stupid great. We tried to play – we we played a version of it because he – Buddy installed stuff in our defense down at Miami. So to answer your question, long-winded, his influence – and my my being around him was extensive. Um, it was extensive being around Ryan. And that's one of the reasons you guys drafted Jerome. You guys drafted Jerome because he came down all the time and he was enamored by Jerome. He loved Jerome's quickness. And that's one of the main reasons why he ended up um, of Philadelphia Eagles because of the years that he would come down. He came down three years in a row to see us. I was in the classroom. Again, it was it was probably, I would say this, three. he'd spend three days each visit, like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then we'd go out to dinner Saturday and he'd leave. It'd be something like that. Okay? Okay, he's just... It's a tragedy that Buddy couldn't win a Super Bowl for Philly. Yeah, you know what was even more a shame is that their playoff appearances didn't result in more success. Like, I mean, that team just for whatever reason, and it's clearly on the offensive side, that that team struggled on offense. And it was the lack of really um, – you know, it's funny. Isn't it different now? Back in the Norman Brayman days – they didn't give a shit about offense. And today, 
they kind of underutilized the defensive side of the ball under Jeffrey Lurie. It's kind of reversed. You know, they don't spend a ton of money over there. They don't spend a ton of equity over there on defense. And back in the day, you guys didn't spend a lot of money on offense. It's just almost the direct opposite. But the one thing that the owner does do well, this owner, he spends money in the lines. Chris says that uh, Jimmy hated Buddy once they were – yes. that You know what? And Chris, what was the craziest part of that was that those guys were great friends. They went out to dinner. They laughed their asses off. They were around one another a lot. And when I saw how heated those conversations became, when Jimmy was the uh, head coach of the Cowboys and how Buddy would talk shit on him and get under his – Buddy had the great propensity to get under anybody's shit. He, he, dude, he would rip anyone. He'd rip anyone. He goes, you two guys, Cilio Brown, come here. Shit, I could eat a bowl of soup off your two guys' heads. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> and, 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 and Jerome goes, it's Buddy Ryan. He's a brand-new head coach. I go, Buddy Ryan, D.C. Bears? He's like, yeah. Mike Singletary told me stories that he used to just kill him. Hey, 50, you suck. Hey, 50, you're never going to be a player. Hey, 50, what are you doing? Hey, 50, you have no smarts for the game. Hey, 50, what's going on? Hey, 50, you'll never be it. Mike Singletary told me, man, he went back to his locker one day and said, I'll never be anything. But he Ryan comes up to him and he looks at him and he goes, one day you're going to be the best player in the history of the game at that position. One day, walked away. Mike Singletary goes, okay. <laughs> and remember, remember this, remember the story I told you. And Jimmy does it too. And I told you this before many times. Coach Johnson would get on me. Man, I'd have 13, 14 tackles in a game. Look at the game balls he gave me. Every one of those game balls back there, Jimmy Johnson gave me. And so all these game balls he gave me, man, I get 74 graded, 71. I freaking hated that. And I'm sitting there going like this. And I'm going, why? What, what did it? Did it? And then finally, I just go like this. Why the F are you always on my ass? And that's when Jimmy goes like this. Worry when I'm not. Epiphany. Worry when I'm not on your ass, son. Because then it's over. Yes, sir. <laughs> it straightens you up right away. Worry when I'm not on you. Because when I'm not on you, it's over. <laughs> Hey, worry when I'm not on you, son. Hey, <laughs> hey, Zan hey, oh, I know. Xander goes, worry when I don't care about your tweet. <laughs> ah, that guy, that son of a <laughs> pretty crazy stuff, man. I'll tell you. I got to tell you this, man. By the way, don't forget, we just got a text. We're going to get Phil Sims on tomorrow. And he'll join us tomorrow, and we'll talk with Phil. 
Can you imagine playing in the NFC East back in the day with the Skins slash Commanders? The Cowboys were kind of good, but it was Washington and it was kind of, it was Philly and it was the Giants. That had to be the golden age of the NFC East. And it's the Tiffany division when you're talking football. And Bobby Bethard, one of my dear friends who lived out in San Diego, and he used to he used to go body surfing. And this guy was like a surfer. And I go, this is Bobby. And so I forget who introduced me to him. So Bethard is out body surfing. And this is the guy with Joe Gibbs that built those teams. When you have the GM, the coach, and the quarterback, I'm going to make a point to you here. That my next guest, before I bring him on, Joe Theismann, I'm going to say this to you, that Joe Gibbs is the greatest coach in the history of the National Football League. I'm going to tell you why. He took three different quarterbacks to the Super Bowl and won it. No guy in history has ever done that. Here's one of those guys and a former MVP and our dear friend, Joe Theismann. That's where I put him, Joe. I put him, I, I, I think his feet were taking you, Rippon, and Williams, the Super Bowl titles. I mean, I know that Belichick has, I mean, look, six titles, hard to argue with it. But, Joe, three different dudes, three yeah. different mentalities on an approach of the game. I mean, it's quite a statement when you're talking about what Joe Gibbs brought to the NFL. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, I mean, you think of Joe, you think of Bill Walsh is another one. Offensive sides of the ball. Uh, Andy Reid, offensive sides of the ball. Um, certainly, I mean, certainly being a part of it. And I was very fortunate to be, I guess you could say, his first. Um, if, you know, really, we went to a Super Bowl the second year he was the coach. And we went to a Super Bowl the third year he was a coach. I think the thing that makes Joe so special, and I don't disagree with you, Dan, if your assessment of him, is his ability to adapt and adjust uh, both in-game and in the offseason, creating opportunities for us, being able to always be the sort of the tip of the spear when it comes to be able to be very creative with the offenses. We, we see this, you know, in Philly, you got the tush push. You know, you see what, what Andy does uh, with his offense in Kansas City. You know, the scripted plays, <laughs> not, the, not the stuff that Patrick does unscripted that's just phenomenal anyway but i i tend to agree with you i think the system really was in place and we just took different advantage of it. doug had an incredible receiving core you know i had big john rip carries carried over a, a little bit of what doug had and so joe had the ability to say okay this is what i have and this to me is great leadership let's see what we got let's see how good they are at what they do and let's give them opportunities to make plays and the guys that I played with were able to make plays a lot. You know what, Joe? I think you guys were also ahead of the trend where you guys were like, I think your group could play in today's NFL, and here's why. You guys could go in the open market and find guys who people thought had run out of gas and there was nothing left in the tank. All of a sudden, they show up in Washington. Now, maybe this goes back to George Allen and what George did when he brought – all those guys in. But to me, I mean, you guys just found these players and they were like gap fixers. 
for you guys. It was ahead of its time in a way. Well, it's interesting. I, I, I think it's a testament to your organization. It is, Dan. And it's interesting that you know we're we're now at a time in conversation in the offseason where we're talking about the combine and we're talking about the draft. And that's where a lot of guys came. Russ Graham, Mark May, Joe Jacoby, a free agent, just in the offensive line. And then you you look at Dave Butts coming over from St. Louis. Things you have to and the thing you have to really keep in mind is there wasn't free agency at that time. Right. It wasn't a question of going out and saying, okay, we're we're 90 million under the cap. Let's go get this guy. Let's go get that guy. Now we've got to work our quarterback's contract in a way that it would fit into what we really need to do as far as the pieces of our football team go. Uh, that's what I think made it so challenging for Bobby and for Joe was how do you find the right person to fit in? And And you know what? So much of it is, yes, a lot of guys have athletic talent, but how do you find the right person? to join your football team, the right kind of individual in the locker room. See, to me, the thing about the combine, it has nothing to do with how you jump, how you run, how you throw, you know, how much weight you lift. It has to do with that 20 minutes or so or half hour that you sit down and you let somebody know what kind of a person you are. I guarantee you more guys have been drafted because of their person than they have simply because of what they did at the combine. Because if you're if you're a, a professional football team and you don't have an idea what these guys are able to do by now, you're really not doing a good job. I'll tell you what Rich McKay told me and why they drafted me in the third round. He he goes you're like, talented. You're an incredible talent. I know that. He I've, had this, I've had this conversation with Rich. And he said the guy was phenomenal. He, you know, all the things that we thought about him, he exceeded him. I know that. <laughs> hey, well, really? <laughs> hey, let me, hey, hey, Joe, he asked me the question. So if you don't make it in the NFL, what's your plan B? And I went like this to him. I go, well, Rich, I'll tell you what, if you got a plan B, you ain't got a plan A. Yeah. Amen. And he, he went like this. Okay. And that, <laughs> that box. That's right. And it That's really right. did. Like he said, Joe, to me, I think the drills and all that stuff, I think it's not factor to me. It's TV. got to right. have a TV show. We need a I TV show. I think it's the show. interview. Yeah, we need a TV show. Let's, let's you know, um, and and so, you know, as, I mean, yeah, you like to see guys run and throw and do that kind of stuff and lift weights. But, I mean, you know, how many offensive linemen are going to run a 40-yard dash? Um <laughs> Yeah, really? Hey, 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 Joe, I know this. Once you get how many quarterbacks, no one runs 40 yard dashes anymore. <laughs> no, I'm saying, I mean, that it's the um, it's a little bit like the Pro Bowl or the Pro Bowl games as they are now versus a game. I, I think you really get the true evaluation of someone when you look at them play against high level competition at the collegiate level. How do they react to pressure? Are they able to bring the team back if they're down? Uh, how do they handle being ahead um, in and out of the huddle? Accuracy. Um, timing of releases, footwork, all that stuff you get in a game situation, I think is is really a way you can evaluate people. Joe, um, so far with uh, Josh Harris as your owner, um, how's he been? What do you think of him? How is the organization shaping up? Just to give a little small synopsis on what you've seen. I know he's at the Combines, yep. part of the interview process. Just yep. give me a take on what you see with him so far. I, I really, I've had a chance to sit with Josh and visit with him and uh, he and, and Mitch Rains, both uh, the, the uh, Mitch Rails, excuse me, both those guys have really done a terrific job of integrating themselves into the NFL. You know, he, he owned the, the Sixers. 
the devil. So he's been involved in other professional sports. Of course, magic brings the basketball element to it uh, as well. But I, I think Josh has really immersed himself into understanding professional football, understanding the game, understanding what his football team needs. Um, and, and I don't see him as the kind of an owner that's going to say, I think we ought to take this guy or I think we ought to take that guy. He believes in the people that he has hired to do the evaluation process, but certainly he wants to be there. Heck, you paid $6.2 billion for the franchise. You should be there uh, to be able to evaluate what the people that you hired are looking at and the direction that this team wants to go. The other thing, too, is besides Dan Quinn, you got a new, you got a new uh, offensive coordinator. Defense with Dan there, that's, you know, they're going to be hand in hand. They're going to walk lockstep. But as far as the offense goes, you know, what's Cliff going to do? I mean, what's he want? What fits into his system? That's why I've sort of been thinking, you know, maybe uh, Caleb Williams might be the choice because he was at USC. But then you look at the statistics and the numbers that Jaden Daniels put up and you go, wow, over the last two years, um, those are some phenomenal numbers. Now, maybe the C.J. Stroud athleticism and the way he played last year will be a determining factor in the direction, let's say, that the commanders want to go at the quarterback position. You don't, I don't know anything. I'm putting that disclaimer out there right now. I have no idea what they're going to do. But uh, I'm like everybody else. I'm very curious. How about this, Joe? Do you think it was by design that they would have two former head coaches handling both sides of the football where you have Kingsbury that, again, think about it, Here's a guy that was in the NFC West. You're in a division with Kyle Shanahan at the time, Pete Carroll, and you're talking Sean McVay, and he wins 11 ball games with Arizona. We all know what Arizona is, yeah. and he had Kyler Murray and developed, of course, uh, Patrick Mahomes to have one of the top offenses in Lubbock, Texas. I don't know about you, but Texas Tech is not a bastion of quarterback. So he comes to Washington, and to me, it looks like they're going to give him, like you said, the autonomy to be able to run that offense. And then on the other side, it's Dan Quinn, one of the better coordinators, help the team get to the Super Bowl with Seattle and also put a team. Was that by design, Joe? I, you know, I don't necessarily think it was just by design. I'm sure they had conversations about it. But Dan, if you look around the league now, just about everybody you hire has had head coaching experience yep. because there's been so many of them that have been relieved of their position and have gone back to be coordinators. Yeah, I, I, I don't even consider the term head coach an applicable term in the NFL anymore. They're head administrators. Yeah. You have so many responsibilities besides coaching that occupy your time that when you go back to becoming a coordinator or you go back to a position coach, uh, I, I think it's almost got to be refreshing to some. Not that you want to get fired, but I think it's a little bit refreshing to get back to your roots and get back and, and you know get your fingernails dirty and get into the game the way you did that allowed you the opportunity to get it. And of course, the way we're changing head coaches, you never know if that merry-go-round and that brass ring is not going to be sitting there for you again. Absolutely. Um, is Sam Howell the guy? I think we'll see. I mean, Sam, I think, took an incredible beating this year, um, gave up either the most or second most, was sacked the second or the most sacks in the NFL. That doesn't count the amount of times you were hit. Yeah. You know, Daniel Jones had some time off, so he didn't take as many as, as Sam did uh, as far as giving up sacks go. But I, I think he's he's a tough kid. He's, you know, proved his mettle. Um, he made some decisions like all young players do with the ball in his hands that he wishes he had back, I'm sure. But I think last year was a very invaluable year for him to be able to grow and learn. 
you know, remember, we, we look at different quarterbacks. You know, Zach Wilson in New York wants out. And I believe, I think, I don't think the Jets is a good place for him anymore, to be honest with you. I think getting out would be a, a good opportunity. But look what happened to Geno Smith when he wound up in Seattle, finally found a home. Look at Baker down in Tampa, finally found a home. Um, you never know where that, that synergy between the offense that you're going to run, the coach that's coaching you, and your abilities all come together to allow you to be able to become what everybody thought you might have been when they drafted you. You know, you know, Joe, is that a new thing you think? Because back in your day and my day, um, you know, if you didn't make it a quarterback, you were pretty much done. But now you look at the Ryan Tannehills, the Geno Smiths, and like you said, Baker on three or four different stops, all of a sudden he throws for 4,100 yards, 28 right. touchdowns. You're like this. Wait a minute here. So maybe it really is where you're drafted, Joe, and where you're at. Like, look at Justin Fields in Chicago. That's a graveyard. I talked to Tom Thayer yesterday. It's a graveyard of quarterbacks. And here's a stat for you, Joe. In Green Bay, do you know in the last 32 years that 97% of the snaps have been taken by Favre, Rodgers, and Love? Yeah. 97% of the snaps yeah. by three dudes in 32 years. That's phenomenal. And that's why you have consistent winning. Is this a new thing that we're seeing now with guys finding the right place in the right situation? They could turn their careers around. I, th I think so, Dan. I also think that the fact that we don't have, you know, that many quarterbacks in this league, I think this past year, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around 67 different quarterbacks, Started this year, I think it's somewhere in that neighborhood. So you see guys getting hurt. 17 seasons is a long time. That's why there's no preseason. You know, those games are purely to evaluate rookies and free agents. They're not there to evaluate starters. The first two or three games of the regular season become the preseason games where you get your conditioning, where you get more familiar with the offense, where you get, you get comfortable getting hit. Uh, you get comfortable hitting people. So that's this is where it's all changed so much. But I, I really feel like there's different opportunities out there for different guys. And, um, you know, like Ryan Tannehill for me, nobody's talking about him. He was a starter for, what, three, four years? I don't know, five years? Pretty effective. He left Miami. And all yeah. of a sudden now, you know, well, Will is there. And, and what are we going to do with them? They're free agents. Uh, you, you know, you cite what's happened in Green Bay. Uh, you can go back to obviously the the 49ers as well with Joe and Steve and you know Jimmy a little bit and now with Brock looks like he's going to be there a while and then look at Washington I think in 85 when I got hurt to where we are today almost what 40 years later 40 different quarterbacks 41 different quarterbacks Cleveland wow. over the last 15 years has had the same kind of a situation you know finding that one guy that can be your quarterback not just from a talent level, Dan, but from a health standpoint. And, and I tell young guys this all the time, your number one responsibility, your number one responsibility is to stay healthy enough to be able to play and practice so that you can develop your skills. Because you can't play three games and wind up sitting four. You can't practice two days and wind up missing four or five. It just doesn't work that way. The only way you get better is taking snaps every day in practice, every day in a game. And then you sit down and you study and say, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? And be dead honest with yourself. Needs in the draft, Joe, um, that the commanders need, in your opinion, where do they need to strengthen themselves? 
I think they're in a unique situation because of their cap uh, cap room. I a lot of money. Nine, 90 million under the cap, I believe, is the number yep. I've been hearing. So, and, and there are some pretty good offensive linemen out there. I think that's certainly an area that you want to consider with all the, the sacks and problems they had last year. Would definitely be a place where they want to solidify it, maybe upgrade in, in different positions. Don't know exactly where they are. I think they're fine at wide receiver. Running back, you know, running backs are the, the, the guys in this league that get absolutely no love whatsoever, nor money. They get neither one of those, right. to be honest with you. Um, I think probably linebacker is a place they want to uh, maybe look at. D line, we you know we traded away two of them, Chase and Montez, uh, and got some pretty good draft capital there. So there, you might want to add a little bit there. You never can have enough corners because everybody runs four and five wides now. So you really need that. And you know, and maybe the safety position, someone with a little versatility, be able to to swap down and play the slot if they have to, but somebody yet that can come up and tackle. So if you do, if you do go three wide, four wide, you still have somebody who can make plays and not have somebody run for 50, 60 yards against you all the time. So they certainly have areas where they can improve. Uh, I think not only just the starters, but from a depth standpoint, again, you know, that I, I think Dan, that people just don't really think about how important the 12th, 13th, 14th game is going to be and who's going to be on the field. Who do I have on the field in week 13 when I have to win the next two or three? At every position, you know, and it seems like some teams just you lose that one. You lose three corners. Uh, you lose two or three offensive linemen in a span. And do you have somebody that comes able to come in and fill in? And now with the new leagues, you know, the new league, you almost have a farm system, which is great. It's great to have a place to go to say instead of signing literally some guys off the street, you take them off of a roster that they've been playing through the summer. Maybe a, and look at the coaches that are coaching. They're all NFL quality. So, you know, you're getting that training in a little bit of a unique way to be able to have somebody help you finish the season. I always Absolutely. look at the offensive line, Dan. I Offense, tell people the healthiest the offensive lines are the ones that finish. Absolutely. And, and, and Joe, I tell people all the time war of attrition. And do you have the quarterback? If you have the roster and the quarterback, you're going to get it done. I want to ask you about. Jalen Hurts and Kellen Moore. And from what I'm understanding, from what people are going to say about Moore being hired as a new offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, he's not going to change the offense. But what they're going to do is they're going to try to accelerate the 23 style of offense. And Joe, I'm against that because you signed Jalen Hurts because he's a dual threat guy. Last year, they almost existed. They completely just took out and wiped out the RPO on one of the things that made him an electric player, everybody's got a unique quality. They took one of the unique qualities away from him, and they ran far fewer RPOs, and it resulted in more passing attempts and 18 turnovers. And so yeah, to I, me, I mean, yeah. why would you go away from what made him great to try to accelerate something that maybe he's not capable of doing, and that's win from the pocket? Well, I, I think, you know, Kellen was it was it was in Dallas with Dak. Right. So we're going to get a better version of Dak. I don't know. You know, I mean, are we going to get a better version? Are we get, I think we might get a similar version. I think you'll see more of the RPOs. I think you'll you know, I'm sure they don't want to expose him to injury any more than he's been. I think that was one of the things that happened this year. Pretty much. I think he was exposed a little bit more. I think he can protect him a little bit more with those. Uh, but it's it's you know he's got somewhat of a similar type of an individual to work with that he had in Dallas, 
And I think that'll translate well uh, for both of them. As a coordinator, you know what you're looking at. And as a quarterback, you're sort of getting back to where you had the success. I think if you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, their problems this year didn't lie as much with, you know, the inefficiency of the of the position and the turnovers as it was the fact that they had everybody peaks and then you start to fall off a little bit. And then your older players don't quite play at the same level they did just the year before. I thought Philadelphia's defense two years ago was special. Yeah. They weren't special this past year. No. 70 sacks two years ago, and this last year they were one of the worst teams in past. And, and and to me, that's a that's that number. I look at that football team and I say that's number one. That was the number one biggest difference. Is they look they look like an older football team this year, and yeah, and I think that contributed to where they were. Two last questions for you, Joe, and it concerns Russell Wilson and Justin Fields. In your opinion. When you look at a guy like, and from what everyone is being told, it seems, or how about this, the behavior and the language it's being talked at, the combines in Indy, it looks like post-June 1 that the Broncos are going to move off of Wilson. To me, Mike Tomlin and him, Mike Tomlin would want a veteran guy versus a Justin Fields guy, or do you see it differently? Because to me, I think a guy like Mike Tomlin could squeeze the last bit of greatness out of that guy in that winning organization. The Steelers don't traditionally do this, Joe, but mm -hmm. that's an organization that you and I know since 1969, Joe, they've had three head football coaches, been more popes I know. and 55 presidents. Years. 55 years. Mike Tomlin, 17 years, never having a losing season. Insane. I, I mean, it's just, it, it's, a, it's a credit to the organization. It's a credit to the Roonies. It's a credit to the coaches that have been there and the players that have played for those coaches. Uh, Russell Wilson, he, he can't stay in Denver. I, I, I listened to some of the interviews and he's saying all the right things. And, and this is, you know, Russell understands PR. He understands, you know, great city would like to stay. He knows the organization is going, look at the way the season ended. I mean, how could, how could you come back from that and, and play for an organization? I think, I think it'd be good. We talk about Zach Wilson moving on. I think for Russell, it would be a great thing. Now, What's he got left? Is it, it does he have to learn a new system? You know, you want to look at systems that are somewhat similar to where you've been so that the learning curve isn't quite as dramatic as you might think. And like I said, you don't have a lot of time to learn anymore. There's a limited amount of time in the offseason when you can spend with coaches to be able to go through OTAs, to go through mini camps, to go through that modified version of a training camp. But I think Russell will be out in Denver and you know, that's a team that has to look in, in Chicago. I wouldn't, I would not throw Justin Fields out the door. I would consider because of the picks I have, and I'm thinking that there's going to be a deal made up there somewhere. I'd be surprised if Chicago just keeps the one, maybe they move back with new England, but, but of the three guys that are there, who do you really want? You know, which one is heads and shoulders, head and shoulders better than the other one. I'm not sure if there is one. I think you can live with either any one of those young guys. And there's a few, you know, Bo Nix is in there. Um, JJ's there. So you've got other people that you could possibly get. I would, I would draft a quarterback and bring them in and compete. Justin's not going to cost you a lot of money right now. That's the important thing too. You look at the quarterback position and the economics that gets tied up in the position. You don't have that in Chicago. So you have a little bit of flexibility in that regard as well. But I, I would consider taking a quarterback possibly, you know, maybe moving back one or two spots 
and um, and see if somebody wants to jump up. I mean, are the Giants at six? Are they are they thinking they want to move How about up? About Washington going to one, Joe. How about Washington going to one and then going to two and getting Marvin Harrison Jr. and then you got Moore and Harrison up there and you give the kid a fighting chance in Chicago with some tools. And Washington's got Caleb who worked with Cliff at USC. I mean, to me, that kind of makes more sense. Your thinking is not wrong. I've, I've run that scenario in my mind as well. And then, but like I look at Jaden, I think, you know, is it Caleb or is it Jaden? You know, it looks like Drake is, you know, sort of the, the other guy right now, which, you know, I mean, we're talking one, one a and one and three quarters. Right. Okay. That's basically what we're talking about as far as the quarterbacks go. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's certainly a possibility. And you never – hey, it's the draft. It's the NFL. All <laughs> of a sudden, you know, from nowhere, here comes somebody. Here they come. They're going to – you know, they're they're going to pounce on up. What's Minnesota going to do with, with uh, Kirk and their situation up there? Are they comfortable with, you know, the guys that they've got playing up there? Um, you know, is, is Gardner Minshew in Indianapolis, is, is he the guy? Or are they considering someone else down the road? Competition isn't a bad thing at the position. I, 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 if I was making the decision in Chicago, I would give Justin another year. I always have the ability to trade him the next year. If he has a good year, hey, you know, it could be Geno Smith. It could be Baker Mayfield. You just don't know. He's, you've invested a lot of time in developing this young man. No question his athleticism is incredible. He just has to be a better thrower of the football. If he becomes a better thrower of the football – he, he can be pretty darn scary in that offense. Me, t- I, I, I completely agree with you, and I would stick with him too. Joe, thank you for your time. I saw you on Fox News the other day too, man. You were spectacular as thank always. You. You're always so good. Everyone loves when you come on the program. Thank you so much, my dear friend. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Dan. Thanks for having me. Take care. You got it. The great Joe Theismann, former NFL Most Valuable Player. We so appreciate him coming aboard. Absolutely spectacular. Hit the like button. Keep, please keep it here on the National Football Show. bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. So you're going to get a better version of Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts. Yeah. (laughs) So Keller Moore is going to turn Jalen Hurts into Dak Prescott. (laughs) Holy cow. Dak Prescott, the guy who can't win a playoff game. That's who Jalen Hurts is going to get turned into. Keller Moore is going to turn him into Dak. A better version? Well, wait a minute. Dak had a better year than Hurts last year, and he did it without Moore. What are you talking about here? Mike McCarthy turned him into a better version of Dak. So they're going to turn Jalen Hurts into Dak Prescott. (laughs) Okay. Hey, Jalen Prescott. (laughs) Jalen Prescott, you're going to have the most expensive quarterbacks in the NFL never to win a Super Bowl between Jalen Jalen Prescott (laughs) And Dak Hurts. <laughs> Holy cow, man. Well, wow, that's going to be a hell of a thing to talk about, man. You know what? Honest to God. You know, people keep going, Sills, should I talk eight hours? Doesn't matter. They're so, this is so entertaining. Kellen Moore is going to turn Jalen Hurts into Dak Prescott. (laughs) Holy. Dak is a wonderful loser. (laughs) Hey, dude, I think Dak's a good quarterback, but I'm not paying that stiff 60 million bucks. I'm not doing it. Not happening. But they're going to do it. You watch. The Cowboys. Jerry Jones, this guy – you know, who was who the guy? You remember Skeletor or the guy on Poltergeist? That's who Jerry looks like now. The guy on Poltergeist that knocks on the door looking for the little kid. He looks like the Poltergeist guy with the hat on. This guy ain't going to worry and go get a new young quarterback. <laughs> he, he's not doing any of that. That ain't happening, man. All right. I appreciate you guys, man.
combines uh, going on right now. We're going to talk to um, Carl Dunbar a little bit later. John Randall's there working out. I think that also Sapp's been called in to work out some of the uh, defensive linemen as well. Thank you guys for coming aboard. We so appreciate it. We'll have a football Friday for you. That'll be on Friday, obviously. <laughs> we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Xander, Big Joe, we thank you. Two to six tomorrow, and we shall see you on the flip side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.